What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship podcast, episode 59. Uh, this is the Q&A with me and Chief Bob. Uh, I have another episode uh, I was going to release today, but because of the kind of the timeliness of some of this stuff, I wanted to get this out today uh, to answer those questions uh, that we got primarily from Reddit. Uh, I got one from Instagram. Um, definitely doing this again. This was super fun. Uh, the questions were fun. Uh, it was we just had a good time talking about all the stuff. Uh, went a little long just because there. <laughs> I went on a rant about there was a CS related question that I was a little long winded about. And we just talked a lot about some of the topics. Uh, because they were really good questions and we I really appreciate everybody that that submitted those questions for us to talk about definitely plan on doing it again it was a lot of fun uh, and I really hope you enjoy the episode all right uh, I'm sorry recording so what I'm gonna do dude is like I'm gonna read so I'm gonna start with the chief magic one because that's what the episode's gonna be called and that question was hilarious but yeah. I'm gonna so I'm gonna read that first and there's actually t- <laughs> there's two questions as you know because I sent it to you already but uh, I'll read the first. It's like the basically the entire thing. Uh, and then I'll read this, the last question at the end because it'll probably take us two seconds. So this one, <laughs> it's from Swim Like Brick from Reddit. Uh, what is up with Chief Magic? Which made me giggle. Uh, it says, I was having a bureaucracy problem and couldn't get some paperwork approved for an assignment. I just hit a wall. Hurry up and wait. PSD needs my paperwork to sit. And then someone has to fill out my paperwork for something else. And then they want me to send it back to school, but maybe not. And I was lost. Took it to my LPO and my senior chief. And suddenly all my problems are solved. My pay is fixed. Someone is ensuring my clearance is good. They cemented my NEC while pushing back my school. So I can get experience first. And they're putting together an assignment for me now. Like it's been months of troubleshooting and problems and getting told to go away. And in one day, everything is fixed. It's the same senior who got my promotion to E4 approved with a phone call uh, when someone didn't want to. Uh, when you put <laughs> when you put on an anchor, do you gain the ability to just make things happen as you like? So yes. That's, that's yes. No, I, not really. <laughs> but like I was telling him, I responded to it uh, like briefly, but I was telling him like even I have been surprised at my ability to get things done over the phone sometimes. And an example is kind of what he said is like, I was having an issue with a sailor where I was looking in their record and they had a mass, right? It was, it was a kid I talk about that. Uh, I got him second chance to me mm-hmm. when the Commodore of a squadron was going to kick him out yeah. for whatever reason, had a change of heart and said, told the squadron chief, Hey, if you can find a boat for him in the next 30 days, he can, he can stay in and we'll give him one mm-hmm. last chance. So they sent him to me on my last boat and, he did great, turned it around. He ended up getting mapped. Um, but basically what happened is we were looking at his pay and we're like, something's wrong here. And we looked back at all his like promotion dates and stuff. And they uh, had not put his, he said he had amassed within the last year for whatever reason, when we went into his record, I don't know if they put it in wrong or what, but he, the mast was like two years back. And so we're looking at it like, dude, you're supposed to get back pay and be eligible, like all this stuff. Right. When he got mad and we're like, there's something really wrong here. So I talked to my yeoman, who's really great. Uh, just made chief last year, I think. And he started looking into it and then he came and grabbed me. He goes, senior, I got a chief at uh, forget. He was at the viewers, I think. And he wants to talk to you. I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. so I come in there and start talking to him. He's like explaining to me what's going on. He goes if we submit paperwork and do this that, and the other thing like this, cause it was basically like, if we, if we bring it up and push it, the boat, like if the boat finds out, they're going to probably just, Oh yeah, no, that actually happened here and submit new paperwork and then fix the admin error. 
And so we're like, I'm like, like, yeah, I get it. But right now his record says this. And it's like, I, why didn't he get paid from, cause none of the dates lined up. And so I was looking into it that way. And I, I was just talking about it. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not trying to like get anything like if it, cause I don't know when it happened, he was telling me it happened then, but he had gone to mass multiple times. I'm like, maybe they just decided not to file your mass paperwork. Cause right. I know boats that have done that where they're just like, they take somebody to mass, but they don't submit the package. And then if you're a good boy for six months, they just don't do anything yep. with it. Yep. Um, I know a prime example of that. Yeah. I'm like, maybe that's what they did. So I was like, I, I don't want to f- pull that string just in case. Cause like, whatever, like, we'll just leave it how it is. I'm not trying to like have him take steps back, but, um, cause the boat was ready to map him. He didn't know that at the time, but, mm-hmm. and then, uh, he's like, you know what, man, I'm just going to fix this right now. And he went into the computer and fixed all his dates and he got a bunch of back pay. And I was just like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And like, we were just talking for a few minutes and, and it was just like, is, did he break the rules? I don't know. But like, I found myself in situations like that where I just like, basically what happens is it's that network that chiefs talk about where it's like, mm-hmm. When I need help, I call the chief wherever they are or I go walk over there and I'm like, hey, I need help with this. Who do I got to talk to? And it's like without without fail, I always get the type of reaction where it's just like, let let me fall over myself to help you. And it's like I do the same thing when people call me for help. Right. So it's just like that's generally what you're seeing. Are there times where strings are pulled and like think like corners might get caught or rules might be bent a little bit based on the situation. So we can meet the spirit of the law instead of the exact letter of the law. Mm, Probably (laughs) like I'm not going to lie and say I've never done it, but, um, but yeah, I I mean, it's, I think that comes down a lot of that though, is like the, uh, like you said, the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law. Right. So somebody realizes like, you know what, I'm willing to argue my side of this. If I do somehow get in trouble for it. Right. Like, I, I'm willing to fight this fight to take care yeah. of somebody. So where it's, it, and again, it's not that I totally agree with it, but it's easier for me to do that than like a second class. Right. Right. Um, 100%. Because they're, it's easier for them to get in more trouble than, than me. Mess- on the yeah. You know what I mean? And so I would I say too, that, but cause he said he's got a senior chief and like, there's a thing I've learned since I put a star above my anchor and it's just kind of like the, I, I often joke that like, especially with sailors that as like as a second class or a first class, they're kind of mouthy and they're not afraid to speak their mind and argue with people about stuff. And mm-hmm. I have those conversations with them where it's like I was that second class that was mouthy and said things in public. I probably shouldn't be saying because that's like I saw something right. was wrong and I said it out loud and I thought that was the right thing to do because that's how I was raised. But in the in the Navy that I grew up in and it still it still happens to this day. And I joke with sailors when it happens and I recognize myself in them. I'm like, you know, everybody that tells you that you have an attitude problem and you and you talk too much are going to say this, that you're like a, an assertive leader and that it, you're not afraid to speak your mind and you take care of your people when you make chief. You know what I mean? It's like it that same f- character flaw becomes an asset when you get into the right. So So it's like I think that um what you see there is when you like, when you put a star above your anchor, I just like you get to this place where it's not that I don't care what people think. It's just like, I know that there's a very real possibility. I'm at my terminal pay grade. And if I got to go speak out in an environment, like if I got to go kick the door off PSD to take care of one of my sailors, then that door's getting kicked off the hinges and I'm going to rip somebody's right. face off. 
But it's like a lot of times it doesn't even have to go down that road. Like I can just go no, over no. there, find the chief and say, hey, what can we do? Come to on, man. This out? Because this is what's happening. And a lot of times what you, what you find is that like he's like, what? It took how long? And then he goes and chin checks somebody and all of a sudden they get off solitaire and snap to and start doing their job. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, that's but that's the it, you need that kind of a catalyst. And for you to go complain at PSD as a second class, those guys are just going to roll their eyes at you and keep playing solitaire. If I go over there and flip out, things are going to get done because there's a healthy fear of the fact that senior chief can make my life hurt or their senior chief that I'm flipping out to can make your life hurt. Right. They control your liberty and yeah. a whole bunch of other quality of life items that you don't want to, you know, now, get thrown. I into. have seen, I have seen a lot of that stuff has been similar where it's like, uh, they, some we ha- I had uh, uh, one of our instructors in the first class was calling about s- something. I don't remember where it, what it was he was trying to get done, but he was trying to do something and eventually came over. He's like, can you just talk to them and tell them like that this is what I need to do? And so I, <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about. He works yeah. in the office next to me. I know him, but he's not specifically one of my sailors mm-hmm. um, or like not in my division. But so anyway, right. so I go over there and I'm like, hey, uh, this is what the problem is. This is what he's telling me. And they're like, yeah, I mean, I get, we can do it. I just, if, if you say this is what he needs to do and he's just standing there on the other side of the speakerphone nodding. Yes. Like, please, <laughs> that's what I've been trying to tell him, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's what he needs. And it was like, okay, if you say so, then I'll, yeah, I'll do it yeah. for him. And it's like, I'm not, why I don't yep. even know this guy. Like I could have been anybody. Yeah. He could have asked the second class <laughs> next to him to, to say he's a chief and not. And you yeah. know, like, I don't. It was, but for somehow they just took this credit, like it's, oh, that sounds credible. We'll go with that. Yeah. But you're also seeing the rank structure being applied in real life. Like it's, that's part of why it's structured the way it's structured. And I'm not like, it's not always a good thing, but it's, there's times where it's like, even with civilian entities, like we have this online program that of course is run by a civilian contractor of some kind. And to get access, you have to fill out a SAR request and put all the specific information in it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of boats were doing it wrong or according to the civilian entity, they were doing it wrong. And I read the procedure and like I had a CS1 get a hold of me and say, hey, I can't. I've been trying for a, over a month because I, I got a report that said he was late closing out a, a thing that gets reported off the boat. And so I, I called the boat. I'm like, hey, what's going on with closeout? I, mean, I think I walked over to the building. I was in their office. I'm like, hey, what's going on with the closeout? And I knew the chief and he's not a guy that would screw this up ever if he had control. And so I was just like, yeah, we've been trying to get access for over a month and they keep telling us that this is wrong. And I'm like, send me all the emails, send me all the correspondence and I'll look into it. So he sent me all the stuff and he sent me the most recent SAR request he'd sent in. And I opened the the published procedure for filling out the SAR request and it was at, they mm-hmm. did it right. So I'm like, well, it's not wrong. And so I sent an email saying, hey, what, what's going on with this? But now it's coming from TICOM going, hey, right, what's going right. on with this? Like this SAR request is in accordance with the attached procedure provided by you. Please enlighten Tell me, me why basically. Yeah, please explain to me what I'm missing because this boat can't close out because you're denying them access to a program they require access to. And they've done all the things that you've told them they needed to do. So they're like, all of a sudden I'm getting like, I put I have my cell phone and my email signature. I was like driving home and I was getting phone calls from people like, oh, senior, this is what's going to like everybody's freaking out because the of where right. the the uh, the question came from. And it's just like, what's the difference? Like he was asking the same yeah. questions and just wasn't 100%. was getting the runaround. So it's 
I think that that's what you're seeing happen is it's just like, and I tell all my boats, like I have, there's, there's an Isik between me and the boats, but me and the Isik are like hand in hand about everything. We talk right. all the time. He's a good buddy of mine. And I just tell him, I'm like, cause he's, he's like a, he's super undermanned. I was going to say something, <laughs> something different, but he, he's, he's stretched really thin. Cause he goes out on rides a lot and he's got a lot going on. And the other guy had a medical problem. So like he's stretched pretty thin. So I told, I told him when I was at work, I was just like, man, anything you need, I'll come down and help out or do whatever. And, um, and it was just like, it, if any of the boats ever needed anything, like just call me, like if you can't get a hold of him, cause he's on a ride, just call me and I'll take care of it. And that's why it's cause I know that that's how that happens. I know that if you need something from the, like if you're trying to load out food and the guys say they're not going to deliver it or the cranes guys are giving you trouble or you need, you know, something that you didn't get because the vendor is being stupid or whatever. It's like, if I call them, it's going to get done now. If you call them, right. they're going to get to you when they get to you. And that's the difference. It's like, that's it's, what you, it's that's how thing, I would describe like, it. Yeah. Like, so, um, it's just, it's also like just part of everybody buying off on the, the, it sounds cheesy, but that whole idea of like, right. It's all big brotherhood as a chief and you know, mm. you're, but it's like, if you call somebody, you're just kind of trusting that they would do that same thing as if they were the yeah. guy that works in the office right next door to you that you do know. And you know that he would do that. If yeah. you call up somebody random, you may not know that other chief, but you, you kind of both start off on that. You give each other that, that, the credit at least to say like he would probably do the same thing, you know, like it's, yeah, you're giving sure. them that the benefit of the doubt right off the bat. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be giving other people right. the benefit of the doubt, but it's just the nature of what we've been through that you're like, Oh, okay. I'll help. He, I'll take care of him. He'll take care of me if you yeah. know, vice versa. And then there's another, times where that bit me in the butt though. Like really I, my last, well, not really, but like my last duty day, it, it was kind of funny. I was, uh, I was, on duty. Right. And we get like one four hour period of sleep. And then the rest are all like maybe two and a half hours if you try, but there's something going on constantly. Right. So yeah. when you're on duty, we just don't sleep basically. Pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm fine. I pass out my alarm set for one fifteen, so I can go my two o'clock round. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I'm and thinking like, of the standing duty chief is the same right. way. Like somebody's like, waking me up to review tags or whatever. Yeah. yeah something. And it's, so alarms it's, going off on the BCP. <laughs> yeah. And so it's 1145 or 2340, whatever, right? Yeah. It's midnight and the duty phone rings. So I'm like, okay, roll over half asleep. Just say, you know, OD. And mm -hmm. he's like, hey, uh, I'm so-and-so. He was some chief off of, mm -hmm. I don't even remember what boat, but some surface ship in mm -hmm. San Diego. <laughs> and I'm on the opposite coast. What so it's the middle of the night, possibly right? possibly be calling me for? And I'm like, oh, okay, like what, you know, what's going on? And this was after the fire. Or like, I think yeah. the fire was still going on in San Diego. So I'm like, okay, right. like what? I don't know. So what's up? And he's like, well, we've got a guy. He was a sub drop because of whatever. And he's, he, we have orders. He's coming to us and he's like, but I don't know his travel plans. So we're trying to sort that out. And I'm like half asleep. So I'm like, hold on a second. Like you had a guy that's supposed to, is he not there? Like he was supposed to check in and he's not there. What do you like? What are you asking? And he's like, no, I just wanted to talk to the travel clerk so I could figure out you know, when he's supposed to get here, what is, you know, I was just mm. trying to get in contact with him and he kept telling me the sailor's name and I'm like, I, ah. and I was like, listen, man, it's almost midnight and I'm on a flip phone in an <laughs> empty barracks room in my underwear, laying in a bed. 
Like I, there, the travel clerk is not here right now yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody that has that answer for you at this time of night on a Wednesday night. Like you're going to have to call back in the morning. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, well, I just want to know like who I'm talking to. He's like, I just like to know who I'm talking to. He's like, you know, is this like an officer? Is this a chief? Is it a petty officer? And honestly, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because yeah. what does it matter? You're not yeah. going to get a different yeah. answer from anybody else. <laughs> but, but regardless, I understand what he's trying to like, what he's asking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm a chief. And he's like, oh, hey, bro. And then it was just bro sandwich after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you can try to be as nice as you want, but like, I literally can't there, help you. Yeah. There are it's times midnight. where they lean <laughs> that people lean in on that when they need something for it. They're like yeah. trying to like, yeah, come on. I you, felt you so bad. Like literally I was and it's like, like you're it's not like back. I don't want to help you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just, and I was just pissed because it was the middle of the night. I'm like, dude, you're gonna have to call back in the morning. I'm sorry, man. I gotta go. And then I just hung yeah. up on him and went back to sleep. Like I felt That's bad, funny. but it wasn't like an emergency. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah nothing. And it's on eleven fire, o'clock. It's midnight. Not, yeah. What do you want me yeah. to do? I can't. I, I can't. I literally can't do anything for you. Right now. I was so pissed. I just. Um, I was so pissed. I was in the <laughs> middle of my sleep time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was gonna say the other the other thing that isn't really accounted for that I I've. I've encountered it when I make phone calls to certain entities, but like um, I pick up the phone and I call some civilian that's in charge of whatever at, at like a high level command or at some kind of organization that I'm trying to work with. And um, I'm like, Hey, this is senior chief, whatever at wherever I work at, this is what I need. And they're like, Oh, Hey brother, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. I retired in 1999. Like, (laughs) and it's like, there are so, so many of those out there that and mm-hmm. in places you wouldn't even imagine. Um, like I was doing cob calls and I, I think I've told a story before where I went into uh, the college office and it's now there. It's not really a place you go into to get counseling or anything anymore. But there's there was a lady there working that she was the only one there. And she like did a lot all the stuff online. You'd get all your counseling online. You talk to people by phoning in it via appointment so that they can essentially spread the, the workload out um, doing everything virtually. But you can like go in there for certain things. And I had made an appointment with her to do cob calls to have her explain to me how it's changed and everything like that. And I went in there and uh, found out she was a, she was, she had been a senior chief. It was an aviation rating and she retired in like 1990 or something like that. Or she made, Dang. maybe she made chief in 1990. I can't, yeah, it was like she was a chief in 1990. I was, oh, like, gee. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, what was that like? And we had like an hour long conversation about that. And, her husband was a retired master chief and all that, like all this craziness. And it's just like, you'd never know, like walking in there, right. you would have never guessed she, cause she didn't have stuff all over her office that like indicated it. So like, unless right, she right. told me, I wouldn't have known. And it's like, same thing. Like I pick up the phone to make a phone call on behalf of a sailor for, to figure something out. And I, like I did it recently at a sailor traveling during the big, like COVID stuff to go do a, he was volunteering for an IA on a surface ship to help them out. He's a sub cook, mm-hmm. but he was volunteering to do this IA cruise on a, sh- on a ship. Um, and they're like, they weren't, everything was changing, obviously and like travel restrictions and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what is going on with this deployment? And I, via email, I couldn't get an a- straight answer from anybody. So I called mm-hmm. her and turns out she's a retired chief. And I was just like, get out of here. So like that, then the conversation in immediately relaxes and any like BS is like peeled away. And she tells me exactly what's going on. Gives me right. gouge. Cause like she goes, look, man, we're in the corners with the door closed you, between you and me and the bulkhead. This is what's going on. And right. like, she wouldn't have told other people that, but she told me that because I'm a senior chief. And so like 
that's the kind of thing that you you kind of figure out how to navigate that type of an environment and get a lot more things done because you're you know like for <laughs> for those that like to view us as the evil empire like <laughs> our tentacles reach way farther than you think because of this things like that like a lot right. of the jobs that support us are retirees and their chiefs and it's like the network goes way further and deeper than anybody thinks. It's the same same thing in the shipyard. You know, I, sh- yep. I need a shop to come down and fix this thing right now or do, do this, start this job early or whatever. You walk up there and it's like you're wearing anchors and somebody somebody walks right up to you. And it's like, hey, brother, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. I was on the USS whatever. And like, they're like, hey, yeah, man, I'm just trying to yeah, figure yeah. out this. And it's like, oh, yeah, let me go. We'll go talk to my supervisor. And that, and all of a sudden, the thing that nobody could get done, like I had our ship soup and everybody else was calling up trying to get it done. And I just walked up to the shop and magically things start happening. And it's just like, that's the magic. It's not magic. It's just the network. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the I, fact that the the position that you're in, both in both rank and title, depending on where you're at, it's like that generally in, in everyday application, that's generally what happens. You call up and... Um, talk to somebody it's you it's a very different conversation if i call up and like chief's not around but i got the galley lpo and i'm like hey man like uh, what's going on with this and i I had some guys come over and you wouldn't let them eat or whatever like that or you're supposed to feed this group of people or blah blah i don't know whatever and uh the lpo is going to fall over himself to help me right but if cs2 calls lpo might be oh yeah i'm busy bro uh call me back tomorrow right he's not I'm not going to get, I'm just not going to get that type of an answer. And I didn't do it when I was like, if some chief called, I was, I was going to go a little further to, to track right. down an answer because I didn't want my chief to get a phone call the next day and, and like be upset about that. And, I, and like, there's a part of it when I explain this, that I kind of feel like, should it be like that? Like, yep. you know what I mean? No, you you kind of you. mentioned it earlier where it's like, I, I don't know. If I'm not saying is, that it's right. I'm just exactly, saying that this yeah, is what was, it is. This is what it is. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's all exactly the right answer. And I, I think I've talked, I've talked it. I, I don't think I know I've talked it. I, I basically I'm saying, I think I beat a dead horse almost with my discussion of, and I'll continue to do it, but my discussion of like the chief's mess and kind of some of the things that I think we need to fix. But, um, but yeah, I, I also am a giant advocate of understanding the constructs that exists right now and figuring out how to operate within that construct without violating your integrity or being unethical yeah, or breaking yeah. any, any, you know, no joke rules that are in black and white writing in a book somewhere. It, it's and, I think and to so. leverage that, to help your sailors out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's the network is what we have. And so like, sometimes I walk away feeling like I need a shower, but <laughs> I don't do anything unethical or violate my integrity or violate policy when I'm doing these things. Right. Um, if they do to help me out and I don't know about it, I, I can't, I'm not there to be, I'm not like the angel standing on the shoulder. Like I can't make them do anything. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's happened, but if it has, that's not the right answer. Right. But I'm going to make the phone call and see what I can do and see what I can figure out. If, if what I think is happening is not in the, like in the spirit of the, whatever the policy is, or is not just in the spirit of doing the right thing. I, I think uh, one of the things it's probably I, I'd like, well, I say in my head, it's more applicable to Submariners, but I think it's just every smaller community that's, that is similar, right? Like the longer you stay in the Navy, the, the smaller that pyramid gets as you go up. Right. So um, 
there's a good chance that I, we know if we don't already know each other, we know somebody in common at least. Right. Um, right. So I, my prime example of that was like, or I was laughing about it. Cause I, uh, one of my good buddies from high school, he, uh, was on a, he's a surface a ganger and he was on a ship in San Diego and this was all my gangers on the service fleet. I have no idea. That's how oh, okay. I know I was it. curious. <laughs> An MM of some place. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, and I was like, so, uh, the America was down there and I was mm. like, dude, I want a coin from the America. Yeah. And oh, that's um, easy. Well, just walk I, on board. Yeah. But I'm on the, uh, I was in Connecticut and uh, he's in fair. San Diego. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. so I'm like, Hey man, you're in San Diego. And I'm like, do you know anybody on, that could give me a coin? Or like, could you get me a coin? Do you know anybody on, on the America? And he's like, no, that's, I'm not on that ship. I'm on, I don't even remember what ship it was he was on, mm-hmm. but he's like, no, I'm on some other ship. And he's like, and I'm like, yeah, but you're in San Diego with them. Right. And he's like, yeah, like there are a couple of piers down or whatever. And I'm like, well, you can't give me a coin then. And he's <laughs> like, dude, do you think that we all just know everybody on every other ship down here? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Kind of, not, not everybody, but, and he's yeah, like, so yeah. if I just pick a random submarine, you're going to know, you're going to know everybody. Yeah. Else. I was like, well, not everybody. I'm going to know somebody probably yeah, no, or know somebody that knows somebody Yeah, instead of this, instead of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, yeah. I guarantee every submarine in the fleet, but, I'm, yeah. I, I'll give you three degrees and I'm going to know yeah. somebody on that boat. Also in the age that we live in, it's like go into a chief's group and just, Hey, can anybody give me a coin from the America? And it's well, like, this was a long time ago, but yeah, well, yeah, I'm just saying like in the, in the age we live in, it's like, Hey, the way chiefs work, it's like, I could just walk on board. And if they're not busy, I'll just knock on the chief's mess door, walk in and say, yeah. Hey, can anybody give me a coin? Um, but the, for, if you're like separated by distance and stuff, it's like, I've noticed that during my time I've experienced I've, I've had some diverse experience where I've encountered a lot of surface or or like expeditionary guys or CBs or whoever. And it's like and th- this podcast hasn't heard either where I've made a lot of connections through this where right. it's like when something comes up and be like, hey, like I need this. Does anybody know anybody? And I'm like, yeah, I could get you. Uh, <laughs> I could get you connected. Yeah. And it's just like it. But it seems like same thing. It's like I'll just go into a Facebook group and fire out a lifeline it's like i'll have 20 dms in like the 30 minutes that i went in between me posting it and 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 then it's just like you'll have a ton of people trying to help you out and get you access to whatever so um that's a that's another way to leverage it in the day and age and you see at least i do i'm a part of some groups like just like there's a culinary specialist mess management specialist group Mm -hmm. and it's like I see junior sailors doing it too. Like where they're in there asking these questions and, you know, like interact. Hey, is anybody on this ship? I'm looking at orders there. What's it like? Or, Hey, I'm, you know, trying to find this thing. And then some chiefs will try like kid the other day was trying to find uh, a reference for something. And I just literally explained step-by-step where to find it on NPC and stuff like that. So they're, they're doing it too. So it's like, that's that kind of somebody I was, I think I talked to that, um, the NSW tech that I talked to, I think we talked about that where it was like how valid and useful is the network in the, in the day and age that we live in, where you can just get on social media and you're connected with everybody and ask the type of question. Mm-hmm. Cause like he, was, he mentioned, I think he said Reddit cause that's how I connected with him, but also like that basic mentoring group's got like 40,000 people in it or something. And it's like, you fire off a thing. It's like, somebody's going to know where to find that answer. You know what I mean? What's funny all- is that, that, that same networking though, of like, you know, somebody who knows somebody, right. Mm-hmm. That can also bite you in the other direction. 
Because you'll get a hold of somebody and it's like, hey, do you know, you know, Jeff? And it's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I know Jeff. Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking like, man, Jeff's an idiot. That guy is the worst. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we were on the boat together. Yeah, I love that guy. And then the problem is in my head, I'm like, oh, this guy's an idiot too then. (laughs) Not always, you know, but it's like you have that immediate judgment. Or if they reference somebody that's like a solid dude, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, if if you two like each other, then there's a good chance that I'm going to like you too. Yeah. It's, um, I'm not going to help him any different. I'm just on the yeah, other side yeah, of the yeah. phone. I'm sitting there like, man, this guy's probably, a, he's a window licker. <laughs> Whoa. And then at the la- the end of it, uh, he threw in also, why can't I wear white socks? And the answer to that question is because <laughs> Big Navy Wilson. said so. Yeah. <laughs> I like, because because they match black boots that are the normal boots prescribed. Uh, I can tell you, fun fact, and but what if you I, never I, see them? If you if you well, wear uniform <laughs> properly, you never know what I'm socks not, you wear. Yeah, that's whatever. Every and the funny, the funniest part about this question is like I've been arguing with people, like kind of like jokingly, but the uniform shop here, and I don't know if everybody's doing it. I think they are, but the uniform shop here in read the nav admin when the type threes got like prescribed. They when the nav admin mm-hmm. got put out that hey, we're shifting to type threes, and if you read the uniform regs, it at least it did say guy, cause I know they update it periodically. It did say, uh, black socks are what you're supposed to be wearing. So the, the uniform shop interpreted that as everybody needs to be in black socks. But then it also said that COs can prescribe the coyote Brown boots, but it didn't specify that you were going to wear a different color socks. So they're just, every time somebody would buy the coyote Brown socks, which they had in the uniform shop, yeah. they'd be like, Oh, those are the wrong colored socks. I'm like, how are these the wrong colored socks? I'm wearing coyote Brown boots. Like that's what the book says. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, it's the the prescribed boot for this uniform is black boots, but a CO can authorize Coyote Brown boots. That doesn't mean you wear the same colors. And they're like, so I contacted the Uniform Matters office and asked the question. And the response I got back was Coyote Brown or Sage Green. So if you're wearing black socks with the Coyote Brown boots, you're wearing the wrong color sock. So really, <laughs> yeah, That's swear, super, swear I wear brown boots I, every day. And I, I have an email from the uniform matters office, which are the people that make all the policy decisions and, and write the uniform regs. And I the answer was Coyote Brown. Me. Yeah. I, I, it's at work, guy, but yeah, I can send it to you. We have the, we have the guys in our office. Like I told you the guy who was fighting for ball caps and stuff yeah. like that. Right. And he had this big fight about that. Like, I don't, he's, he's very much of an instruction oriented guy, Yeah, which isn't a bad thing, but like if you tell him yes or no or whatever, he will right. always look up the source and yep. just memorize I, it. I'm, I'm very much right like that too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I'll do it for some things, but like something like that, like I'm not going to go, I'm not going to die on the sock hill about I, I mean, what color, I was- you know? Yeah. At the I'm time not I, would, it. I get it. Yeah. At the time I was doing a bunch of research cause I, I, as they were shifting over, we were in the OCAB and for people that know, it's just a, a building where we have an office, an office on a two-crew submarine so that when we're not the on crew, kind of like the literal combat ships, uh, when we're not the on crew and the other crew is out to sea on the submarine, that's where we report to work. And we had a big bulletin board outside, right outside the office door. Like you had to look at it every time you walked out of the office. So I took that, took over that bill or the, I said billboard took over that bulletin board and like populated it with all the policy messages on type threes, all the pictures and all the boots you're allowed to wear and all the crap so that sailors could look at it and reference it and understand what they're getting into because we were about to implement the uniforms like Mm -hmm. in a couple of months. And uh, so I was doing that research and I was like, there's no way that we're wearing black socks with these boots. It doesn't make any sense. 
And so well, I'm going to have to go buy new socks, found it out and figured it out and asked the question. And people still tell me I'm wearing the wrong color socks. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. And I like, I've been, like my Cobb challenged me on it. And I, I handed him the email. I'm like, look, like this is the source. Like, and then I think like, I, I know they're working next, on it and I know local they, uniform instruction is yeah. going to get updated to your cop, your cop's going to rewrite one just to yeah, prove yeah. you wrong. I, no. Cause I wrote them all anyway. I was like a secretary, <laughs> but he, uh, it, I was, I forgot what I was going to say. What was I going to say? You, you got me. You blanked my memory like men in black. Uh, I'm good at that. Yeah. That happens. It's a neuralizer also, by the way. I'm also kind of an idiot. Um, I forgot what I was going to say, the man. Sock instruction. Yeah. I was going to, it was like, I was, I wasn't going out of my way to like battle anybody on it, but it was like, I found it out and then I just let everybody know. And it's like, I was still the only guy wearing Coyote Brown socks. So I would like jokingly give people a hard time when I could see their socks and be like, you know, you're wearing the wrong color socks. I'm like, no, I'm not yet. Yeah, yeah, you are. And then I showed him the email, but I, oh, no, I was going to say, the, no. I don't think the uniform matters office. Like I, I'm sure they're trying, but it's like, in my opinion, the way the uniform stuff is, is like promulgated. It's like, it's not as clear, clear what the actual policy is as it should be. And then they keep coming right. out with like stuff that's optional and it drives me absolutely nuts because the well, definition of uniform is, <laughs> right. is not so that me, the guy that works next to me and me both have the, uh, there's like a, an official Navy uniform app. Yeah. And we yep. downloaded it, right? And of course, we can't take our phones into work, so it's kind of right. useless. And we're that weird digit sitting around, like challenging each other at home on, like, not like, hey, did you know this? But it's like we were looking at just some of the weird stuff that you don't see at work that you can wear, right? So everybody else at work wears uh, NWUs. We used to do, um, uh, we call them fancy Fridays, right? But everybody yep. wears khakis on Friday. Yeah, well, we, we did stopped that doing everybody that a while ago. Yeah, we stopped doing that for one for I don't know a bunch of weird reasons, but yeah. um, I was looking at the plan of the week one time, and our plan of the week says uniform of the day, right? And it says for E seven and above is service khakis or NWUs, and so I was like, why doesn't anybody ever wear NW or why doesn't anybody wear their khakis? Yeah, and some guys have like the I think it's a lame excuse of like, well, all the dry cleaners are closed because of the room. I don't. I've like, never dry cleaned my khakis ever. Exactly. Wash them, starch them, so, iron them. That's I, whatever. What, I, that's so like, I just said, okay, I, that's kind of ridiculous to me, but whatever. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, there's nothing saying I can't. And yeah. I just prefer them when they, especially when it's hot, I prefer them. So I wear yeah. them and I wear them all the time. And you, it used to be, you would only see guys wear them either on Fridays or when you're on duty. Yeah. So I was getting phone calls for a while. B people would see me walk into the building and just assume that I was a guy on duty. So if there's a duty issue, they would call <laughs> me and I'm like, dude, I don't know why you're telling me this. Like, I'm not the guy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, are you off going? I'm like, no. And they're like, why are you in your khakis? I'm like, because I can be. Why are you yeah. in your working uniform? We're yeah. in an office. What work are you doing in an office? Yeah. Like, this is literally the office type uniform. Like, this yeah. is kind of the point of that. <laughs> So I think you're in the wrong uniform, you know, like yeah. just cause I'm outnumbered doesn't mean I'm wrong, but right. anyways, so, uh, I wear them all, generally every day, once in a blue moon, I'll still go back to the type, to the type threes, but generally I wear them every day and I still get non. So we started looking through like, well, what else can we wear? Cause mm -hmm. ju literally just wearing khakis apparently bothers people. <laughs> so then it's like, all right, well, what else can I do? That's like totally <laughs> fine and not abnormal, but bothers people. Yeah. And there was another office that started doing like 
uh, they would call it fancier Fridays. When we were when we would all <laughs> do whites. fancy Fridays. Well, no, so it would be blues. like they're gonna wear their they would wear the blues, but they would wear it with the sweater and then the black uh, garrison cap. Oh, uh, okay. And it's like it looks really weird when you see a dude walk like a chief walk in with a black garrison cap and a sweater. Can you and a still tie. do that? I yeah. thought. Hundred percent. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought they stopped doing because I've never seen anybody do it since. I saw our RDCs used to do it when they had Johnny Cashes. Yep. They would wear yep. them yep. and come into the compartment, so we thought it was somebody else, and they'd <laughs> yeah. like come incognito. And I was yep. like, "What? I didn't know you could do that." And then like yeah. I'd occasionally see a chief or an officer doing it back then before they switched to uh, the NSUs and stuff. I've never seen an officer do it. I don't. Mm. I I don't know if they can or not. I haven't looked, but I don't. I didn't. In my I'm, head, I don't I'm gonna see have to why look not, that up. But, I didn't know, but that I know you that could you still can wear the as garrison a chief. cap. Um, That's interesting. And, I'm gonna do that just to drive people nuts. Well, so I've seen it a few <laughs> times. So, like for for uh, graduations, yeah. when we were still doing full graduations, that our department master chief would show up, right? And we would all be in our dress blues, but he wasn't gonna like drive down the hill and right. walk, you know wear the jacket everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he would I wear would, the sweater. Yeah. Man, when I was so at CSA school for the graduations, we'd be in our dress uniform every Friday. Yeah. And I wish I would have known that because I would go down there with my uh, um, Eisenhower over my shirt and tie. Right. right. But and I'd yep. just have my blazer on a, on a hanger and then I'd have my combo cover on. Yeah. So he would do the same thing. He would show up and he'd be wearing the sweater with a black garrison cap with his master chief anchor on it. That's amazing. And then he unzip his. Somebody yeah. knows something about uniform regs that I don't know. <laughs> I am flabbergasted. We both I've learned not, something. I've never had this happen before. But, but then we have guys that like love to spin people up too. Cause they'll yeah. wear like their boat sweater, like the green boat oh, sweater that you God, can wear yeah. now yeah. with brown shoes. Yep. And so yep. it just drives that everybody insane. Like, why are you guys brown get shoes so mad when you wear brown shoes? And it's like you're it. authorized to wear brown shoes in your khakis. Everybody is. 100%. But it's like tradition that, <laughs> that it's uh, yeah. only aviation. 100%. So I've never done it. it. I don't plan on doing it, but I do think it looks way better. I think it but looks way better. that's why mad because it's And the cool. only <laughs> reason I haven't done it is my black shoes are perfectly fine. And if yeah. I ever have to replace them, I will replace them with brown just to piss people off. But... Well, <laughs> Not even that. The problem, the problem is that you have to wear, um, I can't just get rid of them because I need black shoes also for my dress blues. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to buy two pairs if I got rid of them. So I think that's probably why people don't do it more. I don't know, but there's a, there's a department here of like the entire department only wears brown shoes and it's just like a thing that they do and it's funny and whatever. And it's just stuff like that. that, So we just optional item cap garrison black. See, look at that. And then I was mad that I'm so excited (laughs) when I got rid of all of my E6 and below uniforms. Yeah, I got rid of the black. I don't have any of those, man. Oh, I got to go back and buy one. The only thing. Yeah. The only thing I still have is uh, my peacoat is still in my closet with a first class crow on it (laughs) from when I I used to wear four or five sets of dress uniforms, like three sets of dress blues and a set of dress whites that are in my closet. Uh, I don't think I have any of that stuff. Any, I saved some random stuff. Cause I'm like, a, I don't know, like one day I might want to put this in my shadow box. So I like saved like a utility shirt and some, I got rid of a lot of it. Cause I like took the dolphins out and put them in a little, I collect old, old sets of fish. And yeah. so it's in a case because they were mine. I pulled them off a set of utilities, but um, no, hundred yeah. percent. Mine's just pure laziness. Like I yeah, got yeah. to pull them out of my closet <laughs> in the funny. basement. Then I got to take them to work. I'm not going to throw them away there. You yeah. know, I'm not going to, 
So right. it's like, I want to make use of them. I'd and give, like them, give them away. Somebody. Don't they still have that thrift shop in, uh, I, in uh, I think so, but I, I honestly don't they know. Have one so here. I need to figure They're, that out. A lot out. of them have gone away, but yeah, sure. I need to figure that out and make All use right. of them. Next question. This one's going to be like kind of a lot. So, and I definitely planned on thinking about this ahead of time and then I totally <laughs> didn't. So this is uh, another one from Reddit as my last email stated pretty sweet screen name. It says, what are three of the most memorable mo- moments uh, you've experienced thus far in the Navy? And uh, he's got three questions on here. So I'm just going to start with that one and yeah. you can go first. Cause I know you pre-gamed. Uh, I did sort of, I actually thought about <laughs> it today and I emailed, I'm looking at a notepad file that I emailed myself today. Look I'm prepared. I am. I'm going to start right? writing stuff down while you talk. <laughs> uh, the problem is that that was like the one question that I had no really good answer to. Um, I started thinking about it and I thought, I started thinking about uh, what we, I don't have like a moment that jumps out at me so much, but I was thinking about what do we talk about the most? Like in my office with guys I work with, whatever, what ends up coming up the most that we always talk about. Yeah. And it's within our office, it's usually chief season stuff. And that's obviously like, if you've gone through it, that's a pretty big memorable time. Yeah, and for sure. There's always funny stories, right? Just like everybody has boot camp stories that are hilarious. Like, it's the same thing <laughs> with Chiefs, right? There's always some stupid Chief season story that everybody has. Right. Um, so I put that on there. Um, I put getting my fish because that's like a pretty big thing for some yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not even like the whole process. It, and it's not just the pinning that I that mattered so much. It was like, I, I don't know, kind of a conglomeration of all of it. But usually it has to do with the board. Mm. And then for like that final EAB run or whatever they, whatever it's called, right. That right. final event that you do prior to the pinning, the, that part stands out to me. And then the last one that I thought about was my first, well, not even necessarily my first, but like every foreign port that I go to. Yeah. Those were all like, every one of them has same thing. There's some stupid story of somebody doing something kind of dumb, funny, whatever, or you saw something cool or each yeah. one of them has like <laughs> something cool about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I definitely have some hilarious stories that I'm definitely not going to talk about until I retire, but uh, <laughs> from like foreign ports and stuff. But yeah, oh, yeah, I put, so I put down uh a school just in general. And I don't mean when I attended, I mean, when I was an instructor, um, oh, okay. coolest job I've ever done in the Navy. It's not even close. And like, it's crazy because of the, the special projects platform I did was like, that's probably the, th- like, <sighs> and it's it's competitive it's like that's my proudest moment almost it's like i'm really happy i volunteered to do that it was mm-hmm. extremely rewarding and it was like the the time that i felt like i was contributing the most to our nation's defense like in it real sucked life. in a good way yeah it was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life and everybody that's ever asked me about that um that's i, I always say it's the hardest thing i've ever done in my life i would never do it again but i'm really glad i did it no you know what i mean like no i would not go back at this point in my life if i was <laughs> single i would but like this oh, point, okay. I, even even then i like if i was still because back then it was like i was single i didn't have any attachments so being gone and I, we were deployed 300 days a year it was absolutely insane well and that's so not it was good like, to hear because i'm trying to go there <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have anything that like was tethering me to dry land at all yeah, and yeah. so it was like the perfect time to, to take that job but with the a school man it was i have at least 15 pages in my charge book populated with messages, cards, moments, um, instructors that made chief and then signed my book. Mm. Uh, just so many things happened there where I got to develop sailors and be 
able to like intervene on their behalf in a meaningful way. And I'm talking like, there's one that stands out to me uh, where I was the SEL. I think I'd been in the job for like a week and then a chief came to me and said, Hey, one of my students got orders to Norfolk and like broke down crying. And it wasn't cause she's going to Norfolk. It's because her mom has cancer and it's terminal and she's in San Diego. And so she's trying to get orders to San Diego. And I'm like, Okay, vet this for me as best you can because I want to make mm-hmm. sure it's not a student taking advantage of us. But when you're satisfied, and I, that's all I said to her, I'm like, I don't need you to bring me evidence. Just when you're satisfied right. that she's telling the truth, come back to me and then I'll do as much as I can. And so she's like, okay, walked out, came back to me probably two hours later. And she's like, this girl's telling the truth. And I'm like, okay, uh, let me see what I can do. And so she sat there while I made some phone calls and I called our personnel officer. Um, and just said, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh, I would, I would like to get this girl to San Diego if it's possible. And he's like, you know, that means we're going to have to swap somebody. Right. And I'm like, it is what it is, man. Like if we can make something happen where it's like from the next Mm -hmm. class where the student didn't even know they were going to go to San Diego or whatever, then like, let's do that. Cause I don't want to destroy some other students hopes and dreams that they thought they were going to Southern California and now they're going to Norfolk. Cause that's how they, everybody interprets it that way unless they're from Norfolk and they want to go home. Um, and so we were able to make all that happen. He called me back and I was like, do you need me to call the detailer about, he's like, let me talk to him first. And then if I need you to interject, then I'll have you do that. And, um, and he did, he just called me back. He's like, it's done. She's going to San Diego, USS, whatever. And so then I went and got the chief and was like, Hey, go let her know. And then I didn't hear anything else about it. And I came into work a couple of days later, I think. Um, and I don't know if the student had graduated and left already or not, but I had a little card on my desk and it just explained, it was like a thank you card explaining how grateful she was and how grateful her mother was that I did what I did and signed her name and it's in my charge book. And it was like, it was the coolest feeling ever, man. Like it was yeah. like, this is why you do it. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those moments mm-hmm. where you're just like, yes, I chiefed so hard on Friday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so that's the kind of stuff I got to do that kind of stuff so many times when I was at, at yeah. high school and maybe it was just a lot of leadership opportunity there, but, and then like getting to see the students move on and like a student today just posted about, she's at six and a half years getting out of the Navy and thanking all the people that like helped her out. Cause she did a shore duty. Um, she's the one I talked about that was, she's a cook that went to be a SAR swimmer school instructor in Pensacola. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and just like that kind of stuff. Just like, I, there's so many stories like that, that I'm just like, it was, I got to watch them all grow and progress and promote. And a lot of my instructors are chiefs. Now I flew out to the East coast last year for a pinning, uh, for one of my second classes. She was a second class instructor while I was there and now she's a chief. So it's just like coolest thing ever, man. Like that was by far and away one of the, like the most rewarding tours I've ever done. Yeah. Um, training chiefs that's what kept me in the navy so like i was the guy and i've talked about it before that was getting out of the navy at every reenlistment all the way up till i I made chief in nine and a half years and i was my eaos was at 11 and a half and i was getting out of the navy i was job hunting i was doing it i was i'm like i'm done i can't do this anymore so i was looking around uh for jobs and and planning on transitioning out and then the chief season came around and I was a second year chief and they're like, they needed somebody to run it. And I volunteered. I'm like, oh, that sounds like my idea of a good time. Let's do it. I'll, I'll run the season for the boat. Uh, and I put it together and we assigned sponsors and, and I typed up the, the chart, the instructions and did all the things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like a one man show almost. I had a little bit of help, but uh, we were in dry dock at the time and we participated with the region. So a lot of the heavy lifting was done by them as well. Cause they, yep. we like when we linked up with them, they did some, a lot of the events and stuff like that. So, yep, like, yep. Um, but we did our own instructions on the boat. Cause our cop was kind of like, yeah, we'll do the big stuff with them. But like, I want to do all the training and we'll have our own instructions and stuff like that. I want to do that stuff, mm-hmm. just the boat. And I'm like, okay. So we made it happen. And it's like that event is what kept me in the Navy because I loved training chiefs so much because I we assigned sponsors and a lot of the sponsors were extremely busy. So like the selectees ended up defaulting back to me when they needed stuff. And so I was kind of like all of their sponsors. Um, And I just got to because we were in dry dock, galley shut down. Everybody's on comrades. I had a ton of bandwidth. And so I got to spend a lot of time uh, talking to this group of selects and like mentoring them, teaching them how to chief, doing all this stuff. And it was just like, I got to, it was a lot of really meaningful time with them and got to see them progress, got to see the aha moments, got to see the final night mm-hmm. and pinning and everything else. And I got, I've got a picture uh, on my Facebook. You'd have to scroll back pretty far, but you can see it's like me and like six guys um, where they're, they're wearing their like gold shirts after acceptance. And uh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. really cool, man. And like I getting the train chiefs is what kept me in the Navy. I was like, I can't do this anywhere else. I'm like, this is like that. It's what got me into into leadership development in the way it's like once I got to do that and that itch got scratched that I really didn't even know itched. You know what I mean? I was just right, like, right. oh, I can do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is my jam. And that's kind of what got me. I was like, okay, I'm, I need to, I want to do this more. I want to be an SEL and a Cobb and a CMC and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then the last one I put first good chief. Um, and I know this is all kind of chief related, but I've been a chief at this point longer than I've been anything else in the Navy. So um, it was when I was coming up as a, as a young enlisted blue shirt sailor, uh, I had a lot of really bad leadership. Um, for a lot of different reasons, but the entire first tour on my first submarine, uh, all really bad until like the last probably like nine months. Uh, I caught a young chief um, that treated me like a normal human being, actually listened to me, took pretty good care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of like, oh, this is a real thing. And then I left <laughs> and went to shore. This duty. is possible. Yeah. Then I went to shore duty and there was a chief there. Same thing. He had just made it right before I showed up. And he spent a lot. I was still bitter and angry and jaded and on my way out of the Navy. Wasn't like getting a haircut or taking care of my uniform. I was trying to hide there and go to culinary school and then get out of the Navy. Like I just wanted my E5 paycheck and health insurance so that I could Mm -hmm. use tuition assistance. And at the time, the pre 9-11 GI Bill to go to school and pay for it all and blah, blah, blah. So then uh, he... Basically, he read me like a book and just realized that, oh, okay, I know I know what's up with this kid. He's like, he's not a piece of crap. He's just, he's trying to like skate through this to get out of the Navy and, and go. With, but he's like, I know how to, he's like, all I got to do is put him in charge of people and he's not going to be able to be this guy anymore. <laughs> so, and that's exactly what he did. He made me a watch captain put, and we had a whole A school class come to us. Um, it was like 13 kids come to us. Uh, it wasn't a whole class. It was like a large portion of a class come straight to us for two years of shore duty. And then they were going to go to sea because we were so undermanned mm-hmm. and uh, they gave me a, like half of it and the other guy half of it and put me in charge of all these brand new. And I'm like, oh, I can't like, I can't be this guy if I'm in charge of a bunch of people. So I like 
all of a sudden I'm wearing a perfectly starch uniform, shiny shoes and have a sad haircut. And they're just like, Oh, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he, he spent his entire time there pushing me in an uncomfortable positions, teaching me stuff. I did when I didn't even know it, like he sent me up for base sailor of the quarter, a bunch of times to the boards. I was like a junior second class. I'm like, I'm going up against like an 18 year first class. That's the security department LPO. I'm like, I'm good. Right. It doesn't matter how well I board. I'm going to get murdered. And I kept I'm like, <laughs> why are you sending me up for this? This is stupid. I'm like, I can't win. He goes, well, you're going anyway. So shut up. And so I did. And I went in there and he's like, you murdered the board, man. He's like, they said you boarded better than anyone else. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't win. No, did I? And he's like, I can't tell you that right now. But And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't win for like four quarters in a row. Um, and I made first class somewhere in there. And eventually right before I left, I went sailor of the quarter, but he was training. He was getting me board experience. He was teaching me how yeah. to board. And, and I wasn't nervous because I knew I couldn't win. So I boarded really well. And it was like, so that by the time I got to it as a first class, I wasn't nervous because I'd done it six times or something. So it's like, yeah, I knew yeah. exactly what to expect. I knew most of the chiefs in the room, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, you would do things like that, that. I had no idea he was training me and he would take a lot of time to like, I'd we'd catch him outside on his way out for the day. Cause we were, we had watched that day. So we'd be closing down the galley. Uh, but he'd be like taken off and he would sit there like at the smoke pit or whatever. And just like talk to me for half an hour or he'd find time to like BS with me. And like, I didn't even realize he was training me while he was training me. You know, he was mm-hmm. teaching me how to be a good leader and teaching me how to take care of people and setting me up for success uh, as I like navigated my short tour. So um, that's something I look back on and, uh, I got his name in my book for the chief that influenced me the most. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, that was probably, that's probably those ones. Um, next question, how has being in the Navy changed you and your like basically your life and worldview or your out, it says your outlook on life slash worldview. Yeah. So I think, um, again, following the theme with uh, basically everything else about this podcast is um, <laughs> a, my first thought was uh, it, it made me become more open to like leadership styles. So my first is like, my first reaction is if they, if somebody says something that I don't agree with, my initial reaction is like, that person's an idiot and I don't like it. <laughs> like that's the worst decision. They're terrible. They're garbage at their job or whatever. Right. And I've learned to like, I, I can't say that I don't still think that sometimes, but right. I've at least learned to like, okay, there probably there's a reason, like, let me hear it out or ask the right questions, whatever. Right. But a lot of that had to do with, um, your, your boss is not like that. They're exactly that. They're your boss. They're not, whether that's your chief, your LPO, whatever the case is, like they're your boss. They're not necessarily your friend. Um, mm. that doesn't mean you can't be friendly or, and in certain situations, right? Like if I'm a second class, I don't, I'm not, I didn't look at my first class as like, he is strictly my boss. We will never right. hang out together. But there's a line. Yeah. But yeah, at some point, you know, you draw lines with that and it's like, like same thing. I, I, my CMC, I could be cool with, but I'm probably not going to call him up to go have a beer this weekend. Right. Um, but it's, uh, the guy in my office loves to say that, that like, I'm your chief. I'm not your friend. Um, like my job is to take care of you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, which is true. And so I think before that, I always had that, like, I don't know, you don't, nobody wants to get yelled at by somebody. You feel like you're doing something wrong, whatever the case right. is. And sometimes you need that. And that actually is helping you 
and you don't see it that way, right? Just like you were saying, sometimes like you didn't want to get put in charge of a bunch of people, right? But somebody else was like, "Nope, this is what's happening." And yep. it's like, "Come on, man, <laughs> take like, your medicine. We're we're cool, man. You know, like this is, this is how it's <laughs> supposed to work." And it's like, "Nope, get this done, so I don't yeah. have to yell at you or whatever." And and so I think I've become more open to that, and that's a it's usually a big transition that you see like new chiefs have trouble with, mm-hmm. especially if they don't leave the command because you went from like. Hey, all the dudes in this office or whatever, like they were all my bros six months ago. And then now they're coming to you like, Hey chief, can you sign this? And like in your head, you want to be like, Hey man, what's up? How's it going? And it's like, or they come to you and they're like, Hey bro, like blah, blah. And you got to like, uh, that's chief dude. Like you gotta, (laughs) yeah. And (laughs) you gotta mentally shift. I never really had to like, I, I made chief on, that. I never had that issue. Yeah. Uh, mine was the other way around. Like, I laughed about it more than anything because like, I don't, I never found it feels an weird issue at first. I never found an issue with it though, because I was always, I was pretty similar as a first class, but when I made chief and I stayed on the same boat and everybody had to adjust to now that I'm a, now I'm a chief. It was like, I kind of was already my division. I already ran the same way anyway. Right. And then the, the rest of the junior enlisted like that I used to joke around with and stuff. It was like, I still joked around with them. There's just that line. And there always yeah. was, it wasn't, it, it might've moved a little when I made chief, but it was like, I wasn't hanging out with like the junior first term guys anyway. Like I was living with some of the, like, well, one guy was a first term guy, but he was, uh, he, he was a senior second class. And then the other guy was a first class and I was a first class. So I was living with them when I got divorced. And then, uh, when I made chief, I moved out. I went and got that one bedroom apartment and, um, yeah, like it, it, it was just different now. I was still, I would still talk to those guys, but it was just, it was a little different, yeah. you know? And it was just like, I couldn't hang out with them anymore and stuff like that. So, um, and it's, yeah, I had a lot of that. And then I think the, uh, the rest of it is, uh, again, this being my second tour at, uh, at a school and sub school and all that stuff is, um, just looking when it says like worldview, I'm not, it's, I guess world is a little bit different, but, um, the, the way, uh, like we, I had a cop that used to always say that life's hard enough on its own. You don't need to make it worse. Like you don't have to be a jerk on top of that to somebody, right? Like take care of other people. Everybody's got their own struggles and all that. Right. And you see that a lot more just in a highly concentrated fashion. When you have so many students come through sub school every year, we see have just so many as it is. So when you talk to everybody, you have to you hear like different backgrounds every day. There's some wild back wild story. Somebody's got some crazy living situation and you're like, Oh, okay. So it opened me up a little bit more to that. Although I think I was generally like, I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but in my head, at least I was a pretty open person to a lot of that. Anyways, I didn't really hold that against anybody. Um, but as far as like, if we're talking like a literal world, uh, like geopolitical type worldview. It's, I think a lot of the, the one thing that I learned is like after being in, working in the government, in the military for this long, when you see something happen on the news and everybody's like, they've all got their opinions. Like, why don't we just go there and blow yeah. them all up? Or why don't we do this? Or why does it's like, it's such a simple answer. And it's like, yeah. well, maybe, it's but if you actually simple. try getting any of that done in the military, like right. it's not that easy. And there's all it's these not. other things that come up. And so like, I've, I've become also like more understanding towards kind of weird, crazy situations. Cause I can see how like I've been in those same 
Right. And obviously a much smaller scale, like in your own shop or your own command, yep. you're like, oh, I've seen this wild situation happen and there is no easy fix. And it is right. kind of going to take some finesse and the right person. And so I've become more like understanding to yeah, those I, situations I would, would say something pretty similar. I, that was kind of what was going through my head is like, and, and part of it, as I read the question, I was just like, how, how much of it is the Navy changing me and how much of it is just me maturing and growing up? Like, would it have all yeah, happened yeah. similarly or the same had I not been in the military? Maybe, maybe not. But who knows? Yeah, I'd say like the the big thing for me was like back when I was a second class, I was very much of the opinion that like, like just work harder and suck less, you know, like I didn't have much empathy for anybody's situation or context or background or anything like that. I was just like, just work harder. And that's, that's literally like the answer that we gave to somebody <laughs> sarcastically when he was like, dude, why can't I just, what he was like, what do I got to do to make chief? And right. Like, dude, just work harder and suck yeah. less. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, <laughs> and it, you're, you're joking mostly, but like, and yeah. there's explanations that go into it, but like, it's not that there's not a, some spirit of that, that I still, I still talk about. Cause it's like that those things are important, right? You have to work really hard to get to where you want to be, but there's a lot of things that, I was like somebody could have been went and went going through something really hard in their personal life or some kind yeah, of other yeah. struggle, or maybe they had like some kind of issue that prevented them from like learning something easily or whatever, man. Like, um, yeah, I, had, just, I, had, I was on a boat. That with there's a, a backstory. Yeah. I was on a boat with a dude that was homeless before he joined the Navy. And it was yeah. just like it, everybody's story and background and context is so different and wildly varying and it affects them all differently because everybody's different. And it was kind of like, yeah. I definitely matured a lot as like a, just a human being and, and became a lot more understanding and empathetic with like what's going on with people. And then it's like, the more I know, the more I know that I don't know if that makes sense. Like I've, yeah, I've, found myself like at the the more i get promoted the more i mature the more i um i have done what i what we do as leaders of of sailors it's like there's so many things that i'm just like something like we were talking for the podcast and you were given an example of a sailor that was in trouble for something um and it's like every time a situation like that comes up i i want to ask the question like okay why did he do that you know, like how did he end up in that? Yeah, and yeah. like this, one, that one's pretty straightforward. Like I understand, I probably yeah, yeah, have done yeah. the same thing if I was him <laughs> and yeah. it back then. Right. Like, of course, oh, yeah, like yeah, sailors yeah. are going to be sailors, but, um, it's like the, the kind of stuff that happens where it's like the, I talk about the case of a sailor that popped for cocaine and he was like this oh, kid yeah, that yeah. wouldn't step on an ant. That was a like, wild situation. Right. And it, I was the PIO for it. And as I'm, I'm like, really this guy, and I'm like talking to him during the interview. Like I read him his rights and did everything I was supposed to. And then I was asking him questions and it's just like, I, what happened, man? And when he told me the story, it was like, he drank, they pre-gamed a bunch and he was drinking. He drank too much uh, when he got to wherever they went and got to the point where he like lost time. Like he was blacking out and they mm -hmm. offered him drugs a couple of times. He remembered saying no and then he lost some time and woke up in the morning and just thought he had a hangover and moved on with life. And then when he got back, he get popped for your analysis and turned out he did cocaine at some point when he lost time. And it was just <laughs> like, it was kind of, I was, it was 
in that moment where I was just like, there was a time where I would have just been like, look, burn him at the stake off right. with his head. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's what, what surprised me was that's what my chain of command was doing. Um, rip his dolphins off his chest, throw him, drag him behind a truck on the way. Like it, they were just like tar <laughs> yeah. and feather him. And I'm just like, what, like what, where's your empathy for the human being that's standing in front of you? Like, I get it. The accountability he's not a has human, to he's a sailor. Yeah, yeah. And he's a submariner and he violated the integrity Whatever. that's inherent and in wearing dolphins to work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, stop it. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, I he, the accountability in that type of a situation, because of the way the policy is written, is going to be automatic. So why do we got to treat him bad too? Like, why right. why do we got to kick him while he's down? And so that's the that's the time. And it, I find that a lot of the time in those rooms that I'm in. In those types of situations, I'm generally the dissenting party. You know what I mean? And I that's troubling to me. And I think that's what's changed. And I don't know how much of that was like me and my context and the way I was raised being put into this situation and figuring out how to navigate it as I elevated through the ranks. But I, you know, I mean, I guess that's how how is being in the Navy changed you? That's how it changed me. It's like it put I I got put in the situation and initially not having the context I do now as a leader and the experiences and everything else, I was on the bottom looking up going, just suck less and work harder. <laughs> like if you just worked harder, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have any issues. But now that I'm where I am and I have the experiences that I do as a leader and I understand a lot more about people uh, and how they're so different, it's like I'm a lot more empathetic and understanding of the types of situations that happen. And I think almost mm-hmm. everything is case by case. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you've got to explore like, all the details, what happened and et cetera. And that, and that's why the cases that you see coming out of like NJPs and all other stuff, the results are wildly varying. Like there's times that a sailor walks out of an NJP and it looks like they got a slap on a wrist. Maybe there's a reason for that. There's a lot of context where it's like, maybe they were in a situation where like, yes, they violated a policy, but there was a lot of circumstances surrounding that, that it was like, there was they were more set up to fail. They were like, yeah, it was like there was no well, malice was, and or malintent. It's like they they just they screwed up. I, I mean, there was yeah. definitely some poor judgment calls made by that junior sailor. But the key words being junior sailor, like he's a very junior guy, immature, just turned twenty one. Like, like he wanted to hang out with his friends when he went back home from high school, and he made some poor life choices, thinking he was just going to party, mm-hmm. and he'd probably done it before. And like, I know how much I can handle, and blah blah blah, and he got carried away, and. By the time he realized he was carried away, he was already hammered and then he blacked out. It's like, I'm not saying it's not, those aren't poor judgment calls, but how many poor judgment calls have I made as a junior sailor? Like a ton, like a whole bunch. And so it's just like, that's the, I guess that's the, that's the way I look at it is like, I've, I've become a lot more empathetic and I, I think that it's a good thing for the most part. There, there might be situations where like, like you, I've been told that I'm a hugger and I'm like, going a little too far with it, I guess, but I don't know. I don't find There's, that that's the case the majority of the time. Like, cause if ac- accountability needs to happen, it just needs to happen in a measured way for that situation. You know what I mean? Cause I know I recognize like if it, if it is malice, like if it is malintent, then yeah, drop an anvil on his head. Like, and that I'm not, I'm still not going to treat him bad, but the accountability is going to be harsher. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm going to explain it to like, Hey, these are the choices you made, man. And this is the result and blah, blah. But like, it's not, I'm not going to treat him poorly just to be a jerk on the way. Out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not going to kick yeah. anybody while they're down on the way out the door. 
Yeah. It's just funny to me. Like, I feel like a lot of part of it, I think is, uh, when I see some of these things, it's like, dude, you, you realize that he doesn't know what you know. Right. And there's not even a remotely reasonable expectation that he does. Right. So, uh, and sometimes I, f- you, you kind of forget like the information that's secondhand nature to you right. is not obvious to everybody who's only been in like, again, for me dealing with a school students, like maybe a year and have never been to an operational command before. And so like we had one guy who he was trying to move off. He was married, trying to move off base. Um, His family, he's got his wife, pregnant wife and a kid back home in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, they're living with my mom or her mom or whatever it was. And he's like, I just want to move off base, but we're in the middle of Rona. So it's like, well, how are you, you can't fly to Kentucky and then drive them back. So you're going to have to do this on their own. I don't know. His orders were screwed up. It was it, some of it was his fault. Some of it, or not his fault, but some of it was like just the way the Navy works. They they're not going to pay for that. Yeah. In that instance, and some of it was just a victim of circumstance because of the Rona. Some of it was there's a bunch of reasons, right? But we were trying to explain all these things, and he was like, "Yeah, my problem with and because we were like, okay, so are you going to go get an apartment? Or are you trying to go into base housing? What are you going to do?" And he's like, "Well, I think we'll just go to." He's like, "I think I found." Like a one, maybe he's like, I, I think we can afford a two bedroom apartment if my wife gets a job out here. And we're like, well, she's about to have a kid. That's might not be the best thing. Like, what if she can't get a job out here? Then mm-hmm. what? Like, yeah. you're just going to go broken in debt and never get to a boat. And whatever. And like, like, dude, just go into base housing. And yeah. So we're trying to explain stuff. And we're like, well, how much are the apartments that you're looking for? And he's telling us. And we're like, okay. We're like, well, what's your BH? So we look it up really quick at whatever his BH is. And he was like, no, 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 no. My BH isn't like 15 something. My BH is like 870. And we're like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm looking at the website right now. It should be 15 yeah. something. Yeah. So then we looked it up and that's when we realized his orders were wrong. And on his orders, he was still like, it's not geo batching and I'm not, it, the details of the matter. But the point is he was still getting bh from kentucky from like oh, nowhere kentucky okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we're like well yeah that's kentucky bh but once you move your family out here you'll and he was like i did what do you mean what? We're like <laughs> and he had no idea that your bh was based on where you live and so it's like yeah of course it is dude like did you just think that and then it's like again that's one of those things that we had to stop and be like well this is obvious to us but after 13 right, years, right. you know, know that yeah. right? you've moved, you, you <laughs> What's understand the age calculator. Changes. Like, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> and he just thought like, this is how much money I get. And at some point right. I'll be higher ranked and I'll get more money. And it's like, dude, no, it's, it's a hundred, like your BH will double if you come out here and he's right. like, Oh, so then he was like, Oh, well that's a, you know, that's a horse that's of easy. a different color right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so we had to explain all these things and it's like, the kid's not an idiot for trying to yeah. decide he's yeah. going to move his family into a one bedroom apartment. He just thought that was literally that's all what he could afford. afford. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, but yeah, you have to like stop and peel back those layers and yep. say like, Hey man, why are you doing this? Like, yep. okay, he's not an idiot. He just doesn't know this. Cause why would you, that's not a natural thing to know if you yeah, have for been sure. in the Navy, like, I don't know, no other job really just pays you a housing allowance. Yeah. And I that's mean, the, typically the whatever, guy I'm that, just somebody out there is like, well, my job does, but well, yeah. And the guy that I had recently that, uh, he ended up getting separated for disciplinary stuff, but he, uh, didn't understand credit and he got himself in a really bad spot. And the the thing that drove me nuts was the command knew about it and they did nothing proactive 
to like mm-hmm. fix the actual problem. Like there was accountability things that had happened and some of that got they just bungled. kept giving him more and more rope to hang. Himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some of that got bungled too. Um, but it was like the, at the end of the day, the solution to the problem that should have started before I showed up and probably could have salvaged this kid. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think at the end, I got came to the conclusion that he might have been looking for a way out anyway, but that might have been mm-hmm. because he was so bitter about his experience. Right. But he didn't understand how credit worked, didn't understand how bills worked, didn't understand like he just was spending money like it was a limitless and on stupid stuff. And a lot of it he didn't even understand he was paying for. It was nuts. Right. So I was just like, and I had to sit and our, our God bless our command financial specialist who's a chief. <laughs> she was pulling chunks of her hair out because it was like, he didn't know anything. And he, I'm not, he's not slow. He's just like, he didn't deal with credit. He didn't, well, he didn't have to deal with credit, credit before and he'd never been taught it and he didn't understand it. But he also, when he was interacting with these people and they're trying to spoon feed him, this is what credit is. He felt stupid and he didn't like it. So it was like, he would, he wouldn't always tell the truth because he was embarrassed And so it was just like, it was hard to pull the truth out of him because she would like ask him questions that he would answer. She's populating a spreadsheet to balance his budget. And then she'd log in. She'd be like, all right, log into your Navy federal. We need to look at this, this, and this log in. And he's got like a negative balance and all this numbers aren't even true. And what's this payment? And you've got a car loan you didn't tell me about. Right. She's just like, what dude, just tell me what's happening so I can help you. And so, but that's, and and she was, really frustrated but she was also angry with him and i'm like look you 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 need to understand like this kid is embarrassed that everybody's all up in his business and they're like basically telling him he's and it like so when i would talk to him i'd like force myself to be positive about everything like look man this is just a thing like everybody screws some stuff up once in a while i've been broke i got divorced i started with two thousand dollars my parents loaned me and some credit cards i was completely broke and i was a first class I'm like I dead broke. And it's just like you, but I worked my way back, man. And it's like, you can too. I had a bunch of debt. I paid it off in the grand scheme of things. He didn't actually have that much debt. He had like his expenses every month were what was killing him. He did have some, some yeah, yeah. debt, but it's like, it was not even close to insurmountable. Right. And it was just like, look, you can, you can dig yourself out of this hole. And I talked to him about it and like gas him up and get him like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And then like it, some interaction with somebody who would, put him on a tailspin and it just turned into like he, a lot of, a bunch of things happened where it got to the point where the command was getting involved and then he showed up to work drunk and I was just like, so that's how he got, ended up getting separated, but he wasn't a bad kid. It was just like, he just needed the stuff. Like he didn't know. And it's like, if somebody had addressed this a year ago when he was here with a lot of the same leadership, he, maybe he could have gotten salvaged. And I like, I had this really like, I was super frustrated when I found out that he showed up to work drunk. Um, and I was walking out like you just like visibly frustrated. And my CMC was on his way out the door too. And he stopped me. He goes, what's going on, man? I'm just like, man, I'm just disappointed. Like, and he goes, you mm. knew when you started this crusade to save this kid that it probably wasn't going to work out. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but, but that's not the point. That's not the point. Like the point is, there was a chance, you know what I mean? And I really yep. thought I could fix this. 
I knew I was probably too late. Like I knew that the best case would have been somebody would have intervened way earlier. And I, I was extremely upset that nobody had. And I verbalized that to some of the people that were there. I was like, why am I the one just now digging into this? I was so, cause there were records and stuff. I was so pissed, but then yeah, it was like, and he's like, yeah, I get that. We don't have a time machine. I wasn't here either. Like I get it, man. But he's like, you knew when you got here with the cards you were dealt that this probably wasn't going to end well. And I'm like, yeah, I, I knew that. But I also thought that, you know, there's a Hail Mary's chance that I can pull this one out, too, because I've done it right. a few times. And I was just like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I could pull this. I thought I could. And everybody thought I was nuts. And this time it turned out they were right. But it was worth the effort. I don't regret any of it. But, yeah, it was just like, don't he doesn't know. And it's like a lot of times you have to do that kind of stuff. It's like you're finishing them for their parents um, or fixing things. Like just like they just, he just had no understanding about any of that. work. Mm. So. so, so next question. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with this one because I've, I've got some of these. OK, so yeah, yeah. on a on a more lighthearted. Note, yeah. Then, what what's your thought of uh chiefs whose entire civilian <laughs> apparel their it's entire wardrobe is chief stuff yeah yeah so i can tell you like i used to savagely make fun of chiefs for uh for doing this basically yeah. being in a uniform out of uniform and like how my buddy calls like, them super chiefs oh yeah for sure my like a lot of the chiefs back in the day i used to see doing it I mean, I, part of it, it's like a Shawshank Redemption institutionalized thing where it's just like, yeah. uh, um, we talked about it on the goats after dark where they were talking about like, you know, I got to ask permission to go to the bathroom kind of thing. It's like <laughs> some of it is that, um, where guy, I know a bunch of guys that just don't like civilian clothes. They just, their whole life is like the Navy and then they go home to their family and it's like somebody gave them these shirts for free and that's just what they wear. And if they didn't have that, it'd probably be like a Harley t-shirt or something. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> going to be or like a 5k t-shirt or whatever. It's whatever yeah. t-shirt that someone gave them to do a thing and they're just going to wear it. Something from a hard rock that they visited. Yeah. Um, so some of, oh, some of it's that, but I don't have a huge, I have pride stuff. Uh, it's not, I don't wear it a lot. Um, and a lot of it's like, I'll wear it when I work out or I'll wear it when I'm like building furniture in my garage or, mm. uh, like my, I just got a hoodie for my current command and it's got white paint on it already. But, um, it's, I like pride stuff a lot to the point that I'm actually planning on. Uh, I, I was talking to, um, the, the guy from 15 fathoms, yep. um, about, like expanding Designing something. Yeah. Kind of, well, kind of like expanding, uh, the brand, I guess I hate saying that I feel stupid, but like the podcast stuff, I've always, yeah, yeah, yeah. I walk into the pride section of the Navy exchange and look around. Cause like, I'm proud of that. I'm a chief and I'm proud that I'm a submariner and I'm proud to be a CS. And it's like, I wouldn't mind something cool that like I would actually wear that doesn't look right. ridiculous that either subtly nods to, or represents my community in some type of way. Um, and I can't find anything that I like. I like 15 fathom stuff, but I'm not a deep sea diver. I bought one of his shirts just to support him. Cause I think it's awesome. Right. right. Um, and if you haven't checked out 15 fathoms, go check them out. Like great, great dude run by a medically retired Navy diver, like really cool deep sea diver apparel. But like it, his stuff is awesome. I've seen some attempts out there that, but it's never been stuff that kind of like tickles my fancy, you know? Like, yeah, um, I think that's, that was my thought on a lot of it. Like, yeah, I just, 
I have, I have nothing against it. Like right. you want to be proud of that. That's totally fine. I don't really care. And I used to like, again, it's one of those, I will be quick to like say something. I'll make a joke. I'll whatever. Like I'll laugh at it. Yeah. But, but it's like, it's just a joke that I'm doing right. that. It's not, I don't really care. Like if somebody's going to do that, that's great. I'm not like I get, I'm not the dude that everybody makes fun of. Cause like, I'm the one that's the, I'm like that. 36 year old guy that the shows dresses up as like a 20 year like vans yeah yeah i can't give up that i'm not 22 <laughs> anymore like i literally only yeah. own vans and work shoes like yeah. not even I got some joking. chucks too but yeah i no i can't do chucks i i have vans chucks i just wear jeans like normal jeans nothing crazy and then uh um i have a lot of like uh I get like they're um, what's I'm trying to think of the brand. It's like Zero Foxtrot, I think it's called. They got some cool oh, shirts yeah, yeah. that are like military. Vet. They're the they're probably the only brand I could point at that's they do like military stuff, but it's really cool. And a lot of it's about stacking bodies, which is not like my <laughs> ballpark. Yeah, it's submarine. not what I do. So like I can't. It's a lot. Of, I think it's run by an army veteran. Um, and I might be thinking there's some other brands out there too that do a lot. And I might be thinking of a different one, but they got a lot of cool stuff. And, um, yeah, so I have a, a bunch of there and it's just like some other stuff that's, I don't know, like pretty generic, but yeah, I don't, I just, I just realized I like, I'm in no position to give anybody wardrobe right, advice. For so sure. Like, sure. I make fun of it a little bit. Right. Yeah. But I again, do too. Like, I, I have fun at maybe, people, but. I, so I have two shirts, yeah. like two chief shirts, one from the, the, and a hoodie the shirt that I got like after we, after I made it right, you get the shirt from the season. So I've yeah. got that. I've got a hoodie from the area CPOA from there. And I've got the shirt from the, the area CPOA out here from the last season. Right. And I just don't like really go out of my way for it. I yeah. Mean, I don't either. I, some that are cool. When but I, I, I it's get to weird. a command, I usually procure the newest, whatever that I need for the season which I have, I've got more stuff than you do, I'm sure, but it's just because I've been yeah, chiefing yeah, yeah. longer. Like I have stuff from previous commands and previous cycles and whatever, but I have like, I don't have an issue with it. I especially like, and I wish more people did it or were allowed to do it. Like things that are like prideful at work in the community. Like I think it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Like I thought it was cool even though I'm institutionalized and programmed and a little, it irked me a little bit because it used to be against the rules. But like when they started allowing people to wear unit shirts, as long as they were coyote Brown under their, and oh, yeah, yeah. like that type of pride stuff, like where you're at work like on it. the boat and you take your blouse off and you've got like your cool boat shirt on, like, cause it's the same thing. Number one, for the people that are right. like ragging on chiefs about them wearing the stuff, but they're wearing their, like I'm an MA and I'm a, you know, awesome shirt under their uniform and they love it because it's like your pride and it's like, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I would love no. to do that. And I think that stuff's really cool, but I wish they did more of it. Cause like I was at the A school and when I was an NMTI, we got these red hoodies made. I need to order a new one cause it was the coolest hoodie ever, but it was like this red hoodie and it had, uh, the Navy uh, logo on it. And then like, you, you know, the NMTI rope, right? That red and white rope. So it had the rope like in a circle around the logo. And then in like mm -hmm. that military style stencil print, it said Naval military training instructor. And uh, yeah, back yeah. it had a, they had like clip art things. It had like a surface ship, a submarine and like an airplane or something like that on the mm -hmm. back of it. And then there was like a flag on the sleeve. It was really cool. And so like, and it was cool too, because my NMTIs were really, really proud 
to be NMTIs and the fact that they kind of got because they were general billets at a CSA school. They kind of were like right. marginalized a little bit. They didn't always think yeah, of them because yeah, they yeah, were in a different sure. building and they were doing a different Same thing. Same here. 24 Same hour here. schedule, blah, blah, blah. So like we, I, when I got over there, I like was like, no, uh-uh, we're going to reinvent this. Like this is number one, you're never going to get ignored again because I got the biggest mouth ever. But like that, I was like, we're going to do we're the ball card PQS, rewrote the instruction. Yeah. Like, and got them, we got ropes. We made, co- <clears throat> we made coins. I had NMTI coins made. We had the hoodies made. And like, I told my instructors, I'm like, when you're running PT, you, you're wearing that red hoodie. Like when it's cold out, like, and they were like, yeah. they were like over the moon. It wasn't like I had to tell them to do it. Um, but I wanted them to be distinct from the A school instructors. Cause I'm like, you're not an A school instructor. You're a Naval military training instructor. It's different. And that's why you wear that rope. And so I'm just like, you guys are special. And that's why you get to wear a rope. And then it got to the point where all the A school instructors were trying to qualify NMTI. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah so I, I think it'd be cool if more people did it within their communities and stuff and were allowed to do it within their units. But that's yeah. kind of in my mind where that wardrobe stuff that I have, the vast majority of the time that stuff is, it's for when I'm doing chief stuff at work. And those, those shirts, like, so of those two chief shirts that I have, I've got maybe that's two of maybe five shirts that I own that have anything printed on them whatsoever though. And oh, okay. generally those were bought for me. I think I can think of one shirt. They were both bought for me for like right. a Christmas, Christmas birthday present, something like that, that like I would have bought on my own. But outside of that, everything else I wear, I live in nothing but plain t-shirts. Like yeah. I've, <laughs> since high school, I have never put, which is funny because I have like tattoos. I've got all sorts yeah. of stuff, but like, I have, I usually have like a sleeveless, uh, jean, like black jean vest that I wear that was from carryover from riding a motorcycle, whatever. And like, again, I'm still 18. Right. <laughs> I so, was just about to say something. If, yeah. So like when I go to shit, right. I'm still that, like, I'm that old, like punk rock dude at the back of the show type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I still do that and it's still got a bunch of patches on it from bands and whatever else. Right. But I still do not have like a single shirt from from like anything that with like a design on it. And it's, and it's funny because in my head, I'm like, ah, that makes too much of a statement. Even though I've got a bunch of tattoos on me, you know, like I've got like the Dodgers (laughs) LA tattoo and like all this other stuff. Uh, And it's like, ah, I can't, I can't wear a t-shirt that has something written on it. Cause, cause you immediately just like this, this whole question, right? You judge somebody based on what you see when they walk by. So if he's like swamped in chief stuff, you're like, oh, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he's like swamped in, and I don't know, whatever, think, like tap out gear, you're yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you just crawl out of your giant lifted truck. I and- think, um, too, there's like negative, a negative connotation or whatever, atta- like a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. for kind of for what you like the super chief. And I think what, like when we say that, we mean like those, um, Jason called like it their like kids a super chief, like a, <laughs> yeah, like a super moto chief, like a, yeah. like a, like a boot chief that gets their haircut when they don't need a haircut. Like it, he was, he was explaining it like that. Like those ones that like are, are calling yeah. somebody out for their hands in their pockets, like a hundred yards away and gave them like a one second buffer. So it's like, the, and <laughs> those guys yeah. exist and you know, it is what it is, but that's what I think kind of the snap judgment being made is and kind of why people giggle under their breath and stuff. And sometimes it's true, but like, it's not like, it's not my, yeah, it's not my thing. Uh, necessarily. I'm not saying I wouldn't wear something like that out in public. I don't normally. Um, and I don't have a ton of it. All of this is coming from a guy who like, 
runs a leadership You're podcast who is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if anything, you would be the guy. But that I, I mean, I have a ring with a chief's anchor on it that I've worn for a long time. Um, I don't, I, I yeah. just, I, it's, I also know that I have a very, um, like a completionist or an addictive personality. Like yeah. I can't collect things because oh, if okay. I get one, then I want all of them. Yeah. And if I can't get all of them, then I don't even want to try. Oh, okay. And so it's like, it's kind of that same, like, that's my problem is I have coins and I love coins and I want all of them. Oh yeah. No. But then I have to remember like, they make new ones every day. Yeah. You would yeah, never too many. And I don't need like some random air wing coin, which you need it's to not do. That I don't care. They're not, it's <laughs> not that I don't think they're not cool. Yeah. I just, it doesn't mean as much to me. You know? What you need to do is take up collecting combo cover anchors like me and spend like, I between, can't afford that. Yeah. It's, that's what I was getting at. It's like spend between like 30 and $500 on a combo cover thing. Um, There's like the, the only one that I want is the one uh, from the, and honestly, I, I know it's different, but I don't know how much different is the from the year that my great grandfather made it what year was it? um f- uh that's the hard part so he i was like find out what year the, it is i could tell you what it's i have a chart um 48 I, oh dude i probably have one i could mail you and one. the we'll talk, and it's only like yeah yeah we'll talk I, about I it after it i probably i probably have one because those ones are more common the style of like the old school heritage style anchor that everybody wants. Yeah. That one that everybody thinks is the original, which actually isn't fun fact. Uh, the original combo cover device, it looks like a giant button that you have on your dress blues. It's like the same design, but so I have a replica, I have a replica 12 star or 13 Mm -hmm. star. I have a replica of one that some guy made just cause he thought it was cool. But I, I have found some on eBay and when I found them or I found a guy on like a message board that was willing to sell one, but they're like, super expensive and so like i've never at the time been willing to part with that much money but uh, again if i got one then i might dude my yeah next i have frame of mind is i need to have one of every possible i have form that came a out. lot of them i have like i have the majority of them i, I think and that's yeah. it's the same thing anyway. like i can't collect dolphins from other countries because then i'm gonna yep. want a set of dolphins from yeah. every country that has them yeah and i can't do that and it's just like so I just, I have to avoid it. Like, it's cool. I like it, but I just, can't. I, I do the same thing, but it's, I, I'm not obsessed. Like I try to get them over time, but like, yeah, I'm not, it's not compulsive. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, um, this one's kind of my wheelhouse, uh, have read a lot of comments and complaints from sailors and different social media sites about how unhealthy food is in the Navy galleys oh, yeah. and on base food being heavy on carbs, full of sugar, sodas, et cetera. Why is that? And why doesn't the Navy want to offer uh, food and drink options that are healthier? Understandable I didn't even attempt to answer. Yeah. Understandable that food options will get limited as things run out on ships and the subs on deployment. But when on base, I was surprised that sailors are, uh, are saying healthy options are not readily available. Um, so first of all, on shore, I would say that there is the galleys that I've experienced. There's always a well-stocked salad bar. Um, with tuna and a bunch of other protein options, like hard boiled eggs, generally not all of them do do it exactly that way. But uh, especially the one near me, their salad bar is insane. They usually have fresh fruit, a bunch of other healthier options in that regard, de- depending on what your definition of healthy is. Um, what I can tell you is that the the selections that you're seeing in any food service establishment run by active duty Navy sailors 
is extremely limited by what's called the Navy Standard Core Menu. So what they did was, and I don't even remember how long ago it was, maybe 10 years ago, they developed what's called the Navy Standard Core Menu. And the idea behind it was that they wanted to standardize everything so that they could uh, make things healthier uh, and they could make things like more acceptable, but so it's standardized to say everywhere. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, well, it goes by TICOM level platforms. I, just, so like yeah, yeah. there's a sub version, a like surface version, a couple other versions. So um, they standard also standardized it all so that they could standardize the catalogs uh, with all of the vendors that we contract with to, to order food, right? We get food from places uh, that restaurants out in town get food generally. So they wanted to standardize a catalog. And the reason they wanted to do that was to save money. And because the more, if we order in bulk, we get discounts just like you do with everything. And then the other reason was uh, you got to think big level picture, strategic logistics, right? So if I'm fighting a ship at sea, if San Diego doesn't have the same food as Norfolk, as Honolulu, as Kings Bay, Georgia, as Japan, then if I'm at, at sea fighting a ship and I need to replenish as fast as possible and go right back out to sea and fight some more, they want to be able to force me food without any communication, anything, and just like, here's your food to fulfill the menu that we know you have. And it's all the same stuff you're used to getting or a suitable substitute. Here you go. And there's no pro it's basically like a guaranteed supply line for food, which is a limiting factor for every nuclear vessel. And then mm -hmm. a severe limiting factor for a lot of other vessels, but some of you guys got helicopters and planes and stuff, but it's like, that was the idea behind it. So what we can actually get in these catalogs and what I can actually provide you is severely limited. And what I'll tell you on the healthy food front is the Navy's understanding of healthy food is lacking kind of like it's <laughs> i almost want to say incorrect and it's it the delivery of the program that uh governs it which is called go for green you guys will see every every serving line in the navy is supposed to have those red yellow the stoplight labels and then on the AFN menu it's color-coded yeah so it's it's designed to help sailors push the easy button and make healthy choices what i can tell you is that the majority of the nutrition information in there is so, so wrong um, in that like I we an example I used to give when I would try to like advocate for this being silly is uh, roast turkey. So I just take a piece, a big chunk of turkey, like a roast, throw it in the oven, take it out of the oven. It's done. And I feed you just turkey meat that's cooked. Right. Yeah, there'll be some seasoning on there right. or whatever, but it's just baked turkey, roast turkey. The nutritional information for that is coded yellow, which is like, you know, eat in moderation, but it's generally safe-ish. There's another one called, um, I think it's turkey cutlets. It might be called something else. I can't remember. It's basically a turkey cutlet. You dredge it in flour and a bunch of other crap and then douse the griddle in olive oil and like basically pan fry it. Mm -hmm. That's coded green, which is you can eat as Perfect. much as you want. It's healthier than a. A, a, a like effectively then just roast turkey on Obviously. what planet on what planet <laughs> and so like the the way that they did it it wasn't done well um the the recipes in the armed forces recipe uh service it's called the afrs it's about 2000 recipes in it um it 
it's not well done. They're not well written by professional culinarians. And I'm not like attacking anyone because this is my community. I just think we could do a way better job. And one of the things that I having run that the entire training pipeline for, and this is something that a lot of people on the fleet end don't understand having run the entire training pipeline for culinary specialists for initial accession culinary specialists in the Navy, which is the a school. And I've been a part of curriculum reviews and all, all the things. Okay. It's, there are 25 training days in that curriculum. The, the shortest certification training, like the shortest formal education you can get in the civilian world to get a certificate, not even a degree, but a certificate from a culinary school is six months, right? right? Normally it's a year. That's an accelerated certificate. Normally it's a year to get a certificate, which is going to get you like the lowest level job you could possibly get at a professional civilian restaurant. Right. A two-year degree is what it is. What it is. It's an associate's degree. I got a two-year degree from Johnson Wales University. It's a very, very good culinary school. And I transferred a bunch of credits. So I got it done in about 18 months. And a lot of it was repetitive. Like I knew how to do a lot of it because I'd been cooking on a submarine for five years and six years in a restaurant before that. But I learned a lot while I was there. It was amazing. And I got my degree. But the level of training that we're able to provide in 25 training days is a joke. And I'm not bashing CSA school because I loved my time there, as I talked about earlier. It's incredible. It's They're limited, right? So what we have is a bunch of instructors that were trained in that same pipeline. So mm-hmm. if they haven't gotten the formal experience or had really great mentors, much like I talk about with leadership development, they show up to that A school not knowing how to do a lot of things because there's there's the ability like there are in a lot of fields to hide in certain areas, right? So like you learn how to cook, but you don't learn how to bake and do records or you you become an admin person and you don't really know how to cook or bake and right. they send you to be an A school instructor and you're like, well, what do I do here? So it's it's you you get a lot of instructors that show up like that, that if they don't go out of their way to learn all these things or they don't have really great leadership that rotates them through and kind of forces the function, which is what they're supposed to be doing by instruction. They're supposed to have a job rotation log and rotate people mm-hmm. through it. But it's like a lot of times the demands of the mission and the demands of the personnel that you have, the skill level and aptitude and training of the personnel that you have, your, your hand gets forced sometimes. Right. So these instructors show up and are limited in that regard. So they're not the same level and training and experience of an instructor that you're going to get in a civilian culinary school that, oh, by the way, takes a year to do their lowest level of training. But they only have 25 training days to not just teach you food service sanitation, um, you know, the grooming standards and all that stuff for food service sanitation, uh, the basics of culinary arts and baking. But they also have to teach you about all of the food service administration stuff that we do. They have to teach you about all the forms and the policies and all this other stuff, right? And how to order more chicken cutlets. Kind, or yeah, pretty cutlets. much. <laughs> like kind of. They have to teach you how to navigate all of the inventory management and blah, blah, blah. Not in, not in, in depth, right? Because they're not going to do that stuff until they're like a second class, but gen, third class, second class generally. But um, they, they get familiarized with all of it. Like they, it's introduced. Mm-hmm. So you lose like you, there's a week that we spend teaching them all of the academics and then they go into a, a baking class for like four days. They go into a, a techniques of cooking class for like four days and then they go into a galley, a simulated galley environment where there's a watch captain and, a, uh, you know, cooks assigned to different areas where they're preparing items mm. like and then they serve a meal to their to their class and the staff. Um, 
And they do that for like five days. And then, so 25 training days, then they go on leave for 14 to 21 days, depending on if they're going overseas or not. And then they report to their duty station. So then the fleet feedback is you're doing a terrible job training these cooks. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Cause I, I, what am I supposed to do in 25 training days? And then they get a break. That's almost equivalent to the length of instruction. And then I send the fleet. If they show up and they know that they have to have a paper hat on in the galley and they know how to wash their hands and not drop a knife on their foot. You're welcome. Cause that's the, that's what I have time for. And it's not that I don't want to, I've been advocating for it forever. I'm like, give me 90 days. I'm like, give me 90 days and I'll give you a functioning cook on watch on a, on a naval vessel because there is a lot of things that are simplified, especially on larger platforms where they do a lot of like heat and serve and just like pre, they call them uh, advanced foods or custom foods where it's like like mm-hmm. Aunt Jemima, like whatever, where or like uh, what are the lasagnas, like the, the Stouffer's lasagna that just it just oh, goes yeah, in the yeah, oven yeah. and they throw it on the serving line. But that's what we have. And so that's what you're getting on the other end. The C schools are not like very long either. I think the, they do what's a galley watch captain school is what it's called. It's like advanced food prep. It's like, I want to say it's two weeks and it's like something that they'll get after their first enlistment, probably like on their way to their shore duty, maybe, or like on their way back to their second ship. It's like, it's not, it's, there's not enough there. It's not robust enough. And what I've really been saying from the very beginning is like, look, the only way we fix this problem is with professional intervention, which is you go get uh, a civilian culinary school on the West Coast and the East Coast, or you could do it all at once, but I, I feel like it'd make a lot more sense for one on each coast. And they're they're clamoring to do this. They want to do this. Um is one on each coast. Everybody wants a government contract. Everybody like the, but these culinary schools, like the, there's a lot of like military, uh, liaising with chefs out in town to do special events, to do call them, uh, adopt a chef programs where if you're like in the yards and everything's shut down, you send a cook out to learn from a, a oh, yeah. out in town that it happens, every, but it's every rare OCAT or every off crew yep. we would send at least one or two cooks and they would yep. just disappear for the off crew. Yeah, it happens, but it's rare. I got to do it in Pearl. I went to, um, it was a country club and I learned from a really cool Austrian chef and it was amazing. It was baking and pastry. Did like three weeks there. It was super cool. Um, but that happens sometimes, but the, the culinary schools and my buddy, uh, is he's in the flag, the enlisted aid program. He runs a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff and wrote a lot of the instructions. And he's like, dude, these culinary schools are begging to do this because they want to help. They want to make it better because they kind of mm-hmm. understand where we're at. So it's like you contract with civilian culinary schools and there's already learning sites on Norfolk Naval Station and, uh, 32nd street in San Diego for mm-hmm. the C schools. So they have a galley watch captain, a records keeping school and what's called food service admin. It's the leading CSNEC for when a, like a first class or a chief is going to go run a, a, a galley. So those, those already exist. So you make a two week class, let's like CSA school. And after they complete or before they complete 90 days at a civilian culinary school where you just bust them there, drop them off and bust them back. Uh, like they, they do that and they get trained by civilian instructors with the education and experience to make them excellent cooks. And then you spend two weeks doing the, Hey, this is, you know, or you could even do like, they do like, say they do like six hours of the culinary school. They come back for two hours and do the academic, however you want to structure it, right, right. but send them to a culinary school for 90 days. 
give them a little certificate on the way out the door that, oh, by the way, will apply towards a, uh, American Culinary Federation certifications and to a degree because it came from a university. And then send them through the two week course to get all the academic stuff done. And because they'll go, they'll have a serve safe certification when they walk out of that culinary school. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a two day course that, which is a civilian yep. certification that works everywhere. It's amazing. And most culinary schools, when you do the sanitation class, they, you leave with a serve safe certification because of course you do. It just, it's logical. Right. And then they'll, all the college credits and the, and the certificate and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it all applies towards a degree later. And then they go two weeks and then they go to the fleet. So you do that for long enough that the, the staff, like the people get trained well enough that you could staff a school yourself and then you stand it back up or you don't because this is working so well. Why would we change it? I like, that's the way that you fix that. That's the way they get the training they need. That's the way that like the food improves, but that model would be built on them opening up the Navy standard core menu construct to allow people to um, like, like kind of be a little more creative with the food. Not that they wouldn't have recipes and stuff like that, but um, the, I think a lot of the move to standardize too was based on the skill level of the cooks that we have and the skill levels low and yeah, yeah. nobody wants to put a bunch of money into it. So, you know, like I, I spent a lot of time like teaching my cooks, the fundamentals of culinary arts and baking and pastry, because I know them and I have experience with doing a lot of crazy things. And I've had a lot of experiences with like, doing like i have a fully equipped professional kitchen and most of the ingredients i would find in a civilian kitchen on a submarine so i can do a lot of the things that you see on a submarine i I don't have fire (laughs) like i don't have a couple of things but and i don't have a lot of fresh ingredients and stuff like that but sometimes i can substitute so like i had an experience where i made truffles on a submarine like chocolate truffles and was like decorating Mm -hmm. them all nice and handed them out and it looked like something you'd get at a like fancy chocolate shop and it melted people's brains. I, I, they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, a uh, fully equipped professional kitchen behind me and a big storeroom and freezer and everything full of food. It's not that hard. Like you just, it's a skill. <laughs> you have to have that skill, like, and that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing, like made bagels underway. We were, we were 60 days into a mission where we hadn't, hadn't had a salad in 45 days. And I made bagels right. and they're like, did we get a BSP last night? I'm like, are you really, really? No, I made them genius. Like what? Like it was voodoo magic. And it's like, it's not, it's just training. It's just, right. it's just learning how to do it. Like it's a technique. And if you teach somebody just the technique, bread with a hole in the yeah, if you teach them, well, it's kind of, I mean, they're put the potato based bagels, you got to <laughs> boil them and then bake them. But it's like, yeah, you got to like, you just have to know how to do it and have the ingredients ready and equipment available, which we generally do for a lot of that stuff. I mean, we make croissants. I had a kid, I had a cook that was really talented uh, on my first, the first boat I was a chief on that he made chocolate souffles and coffee cups underway one time. I couldn't believe it. I, that's not a simple thing to make at all. And so it's like, if you can do that, imagine what else you could do, you know, but it's, it, if the cooks have the training and the, and the aptitude, and then they're, they're given the freedom to do those things, they could be doing them. They're just not because they're not trained on how to do it. And no one it, it generally is in a position to teach them how to do it because they get the same training that, that like the supervisors get the same training that the junior guys do. So really long answer because it's what I do for a living and I'm really passionate about it. And I've spent a long time like shouting at the wind to try to get this stuff, uh, fixed, um, or whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, it's something I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, there's been some people like we had a chief of the supply corps at one time that was really passionate about it, spun up some initiatives trying to get food quality to improve and do it. But it's 
it's a big thing to turn around and take a long time. Um, and it takes yeah, some really yeah. high level intervention to get it to completely flip on its head, which could happen. And when I retire, maybe I'll go to an all hands call and say something silly to the CNO, but, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to get it to turn around because I just don't think that there's an appetite for putting the type of money into training CSs that it needs to happen. Uh, and, and the culinary schools, like a 90 day stint at a culinary school for every single sailor, like that's not cheap. Um, I can't imagine it's like, I think that by, by dissolving what's currently in Fort Lee, Virginia, and farming some of those billets, but not all of them because they already have instructors out to those two learning sites in San Diego and Norfolk would save a ton of money that could be applied to that. I don't know what the math is and it's probably going to be significantly more expected, expensive, but there's just not an appetite to change it uh, right now. And I really don't know how you get that going. Um, there will absolutely be for the, for anybody that cares uh, Jerry Maguire style mission statement going to NAVSUP and all the powers that be before I retire um, explaining this. Like I'm going to write a giant point paper explaining how silly and I'm going to do the math and all the research and show them that this can be done and it should be done. And But it's there's, there's a bigger appetite for what I talked about earlier, like the strategic level logistics streamlining to make sure that we can go to battle. You know what I mean? And I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I think we could support that because if you ha- like, because the, the, the solution to that is I don't need a perfectly streamlined catalog and a perfectly streamlined. Like the solution is if you have highly skilled culinarians on all these vessels and you, whatever food you ship me, I'm going to make that work. That's why you have seasonal menus right, right. at every nice civilian restaurant on the planet. It's like, I'll just change the menu to fit the food you send me. Just ship me food and like make it make sense for the endurance and mission requirements and everything else, which is why you have experts like me at Tycoms to sit down and figure all that out. And we could have it all pre-planned. And you could you could send me a spreadsheet that says, this is what you're going to get. And like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like the, you, it's, it's just way easier to tell you that you're getting three tons of white rice. Yeah, but I could do a lot of different things <laughs> with white rice. If I yeah, had the got, skills you could and training Cholula, and equipment, yeah. You could but, well, add some Tabasco. <laughs> even even if you have, because I because when I loaded out uh, the special projects platform I was on, I'm limited by freezer space, right? Which we on submarines when we go for out for a long period of time, you there's a way that you can use a refrigerant plant to turn the chill box into a freezer. So we never went to sea without two freezers on that boat. And when we did, it's like I didn't load out a large variety of food. What I did was. I loaded out all of the staples in as much like quantity as I could possibly cram in there. I didn't take burgers to see. I took ground beef to see because I can make a ton of stuff out of ground beef. I can only make burgers out of burgers, right? <laughs> or like right. chuck wagon stew out of burger. You know what I mean? Like I, there's a very yeah, limited yeah, yeah. amount of things I can use hamburger patties for and they take up more, much more space. So it's like I took prime rib, uh, a ton of prime rib, a ton of ground beef, a ton of chicken, boneless skinless chicken breast, a ton of like two types of fish, shrimp, a couple other, like, you know what I mean? Like, but my freezer was packed full of the staples. The rest of the submarine, like I can put dry food everywhere. That's what ratchet straps are for. Like I can put, I can put dry food wherever I want. And then the like small reach and refrigerator we had, we'd cram some salad in there and it'd last like four days. But right. And if we got a replenishment at sea, we would get some fresh. Um, But it was like, you could do more with less line items, you know, like the, if you give me yeah, yeah, raw yeah. materials, 
but it was it, the problem that the the like the the problem point there is that I was the one doing it. It's like if you plugged in somebody else, they're not necessarily going to have the skills to teach those. And, and again, I'm not bashing any CS chiefs out there. Like I'm just saying it's by no fault of your own unless you've pursued it on your own time. You don't have the the skill level or the education to do the things that I was doing. And I was training my guys to do. And I got lucky and caught. It happens once in a while. They're unicorns. I caught a kid that had a culinary degree. And the, he had a lot of the same mm-hmm. knowledge I had. So he could help me out with training the guys and whatever. But it was like when I explained something to him, he understood what I was saying. If I explained something to the other guys, it like they needed help with the technique. And he was there to help them. Oh, this is what he meant. And he'd show them again and, or whatever. Um, so that was a huge help too, but it normally you're not in that situation. So on that boat, we right. were able to do a lot of crazy things and get our, our cooks trained to a level that I had another kid with no formal culinary education, leaving Danish diamonds in, in the little records, like puka that I had where I, t- I came yeah, up yeah. half asleep with a Red Bull in my hand and I, I'm looked down and it's like a beautiful professional classic Danish diamond that you'd see in it, like a baking textbook written by a French chef. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, how did you do that? And he was just a kid that could open a book, follow the directions. We had all the ingredients. Or if we didn't, he'd ask me what to substitute and how or the other kid. And he would do it and making souffles and coffee cups, making Danish diamonds, making croissants, making scones. Like it was insane. And he'd run around the submarine all happy, feeding his friends like, look, I made these blueberry scones. And they're like, what? How? And it's like, I just read a book and it said how to make scones. And so I did. And it's like, but that's what will happen when you have the people available to provide that training and education to those things, which we don't have people trained in the ability to do that. So it's like, it's, it's tough. Um, but that's a really, really long explanation for that question. That was the last one, right? Was there, did I miss one? No. Is there There another? Well, there was kind of, there was another three parter and then there was another two parter. I must so, have missed it. Hit me with them. I must have missed it. So one of them, the three-parter, it, it's kind of, we can condense it, but okay. I, I, not that I don't want to breeze over it, but um, it was advice for people who oh, are yeah, in, yeah, yeah. thinking of joining or preparing to getting, preparing to get out. And from me, at least my, uh, uh, not so much on the preparing to get in on the, Ooh. on the advice for people thinking of joining. I just think of it as like, uh, it, do as much research as you possibly can and not like the, the recruiter is not yeah. who you get research, who you get your information from. Right. right. And, and um, I, I feel bad cause I feel like I, I bash recruiters a little bit. Uh, sometimes like I kind of, it's just no, not but it's just, their, it's their, not their job. Their job is to sell you on joining the Navy. And that's what they're doing when they're answering your questions. So you need to understand that when you walk in there, you need to be equipped to make this decision and equipped to and prepared to walk out of that office and go do more research. If something changes or they offer you something you don't want or whatever, like don't let them sell you have yeah. a plan when you walk in and then do Or the mine was just like my, my, my thought on that was like big pick, you know, do your research, but the, the bigger thing of like, why are you joining and what are you trying to get out of it? Right. Because that may like, you might be able to get that fulfilled with like any number of rates and it doesn't really right. matter. It's you true. don't have to go be uh you're not like I'm dead set on being a corpsman or I'm dead set on being a whatever. Like you might be pretty open, which could be kind of cool. Like, yeah. I don't know, just like, what do you want? Do you just want a GI bill? Then, then do something that's 
I don't know, not something that's easy, sure. but like, so anyways, it's, it, you know, it's just do the research and, and, you know, think about like why you're joining, what do you really want? Right. right. Um, and it's totally fine. Like when I came in, I literally just wanted a paycheck. Right. Um, and that was fine. So when they were like, Hey, do you want to go be on a submarine? And I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about being on a submarine. Like right. why was that? That's not something we'll that give I would give you know more about. money every month. Okay. Yeah. Sign me up. And they were like, yeah, you get paid more and we'll give you a signing bonus. And I went, well, hell yeah, that sounds perfect. Let's do that. But you said that um, because it was meeting your goals. Like this is, this is yeah. the reason I'm joining. So more money sounds awesome. Yeah. My goal was yeah. to pay bills. How, so however, like, I would do the research and like, I see there's, a I commu- should have done way more. Yeah. Than I there's did. communities on Reddit that like, you can ask a lot of these questions where you will get brutally honest answers from people that have been there because like, if you want the most money and you have the aptitude and pass all the tests, you can go be a nuke. Well, talk right. to a nuke first because they'll right, tell you right. that they had their soul removed th- through their eyeballs <laughs> and that they would give a vital organ to never have to do this again. And so it's just, and I'm not, not all nukes are like that. I know nukes that love being nukes, but it's right. like, you need to have the best understanding you can without having done it before you enter into it. Because there's a lot and of managing that, those expectations. Yeah. There's a lot of people that think that they're going to join the Navy and be a super Navy Rambo seal. And it's like, do you know really what that entails? And there's a Navy seals Reddit thing where there are team guys on there that moderate it and they'll answer questions for you and, and like explain what it's really like and what it takes and, and to the best that they, of their ability without um, you having been there, right? Like they're going to tell you some of the things for like prepping for buds and what should you be doing? It's just hard. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you, the problem is with a lot of that though, is again, like you don't know what you don't know. So right. you don't even know to ask when someone's like, Oh yeah, the maintenance is easy. And you're like, well, what, what, right. what does that even mean? Right. Like, but again, I, you like, you can scroll backwards and a lot of time, like a lot of those discussions have been had already, but yeah, you're right. You're to, you're right. Like there's just certain things you're not going to be able to understand without having been there, but you'll also like, right. when you, when you ask the questions, uh, there's new to the Navy. That's another one that I, I post. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, where people will answer the questions that they wish they would have asked, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's like, there's times where you're going to get the answers that you need, um, instead of exactly what you want, but they're going to, they're going to make sure they explain a lot of those things to you before you, you know, like what's duty, (laughs) like, how does that work? The, um, the other two that I had was, or the other two parts to that were advice for people who are in and then people mm-hmm. who are pre- preparing to get out. And for me, I, I only lumped those two together uh, yeah. because when you're in, you're, you're basically perpetually preparing to get out. Well, it's just yeah. either in 20 years or in two years or whatever the case is. Right. Cause you can't stay in until forever. And the advice that's in, it's like, I have five years of podcasts for you. Go listen to them. Like that's my right. advice for those that are in. <laughs> the only thing that is like, again, like know what you want. Right? right. So my only thought out of that is like, get everything you can out of the Navy because yeah, they're going to sure. get theirs. Yep. So get what you can out of them. Right? Absolutely. If they offer you TA and you have that ability to take your goals to go to college, yep. do what you got to do. Uh, it's I, what I wrote down is like, do the pushups to advance and move on. Like if your job, if your goal is to stay in for 20, the Navy tells you exactly what you have to do to get to that point. Right. They tell you like, look at your ladder. It says, go to this place, qualify these things. And when I was in a school, we had a chief who his, his mentality was like, uh, uh, the uncensored version had a little bit more of an effect, but Mm -hmm. it was like, F you pay me. Yeah. 
And yeah. he said, that's what your mentality should <laughs> well, be. Dennis for Leary like, quote. <laughs> yeah. And it's like his mentality is that's what your mentality should be. So yeah. when the Navy tells you like, go qualify this and that's what you should be, you know, to make the next rank, you need to be qualified these things. So go qualify them. And your next thought should be like, F you pay me. Like here's, I did the, I did what you wanted. I did well on my tests. Like mm. I'm whatever, like I'm doing what you want. So now advance me, give me that right. money. Which if and you're, if you're really doing everything you can, it's undeniable. Like the way the system is set up, as long as there's quotas, which that's the crappy part, you're going right. to advance. Like if you're cutting a high exam score and getting EPs, like you're going to advance right. eventually. But it might just, not be as fast as you want, but you're going to advance. It's just one of those, like, if that's what you, if you want to stay in, then right. that's what you need to do. If yeah. you don't, uh, or whatever the case is, like, just get what you can out of the Navy. Like, yeah. the, again, the Navy's going to get theirs. Have a plan. Or, like, everybody's getting out of the Navy on their first enlistment. And it's like, very few of them have a plan. And I was a career counselor for a number of years where yeah, same. It, so many people get to the 11th hour and freak out because they have no idea what they're going to do. They have a bunch of debt. They have no money saved and no plan. They're not accepted to a school. Oh, like, they don't have like, they're just, and they're like, Oh my disclosure. God, I want to reenlist right now. Cause they'll get a reenlistment bonus and they can pay right. that. And it's like, have a plan, be planning ahead. If you really intend to get because it's a win-win. Like if you intend to get out after your enlistment and you change your mind, all you're going to do is not be in debt and have money saved. <laughs> like, right. It's going right. to be a win-win no matter what. But I always yeah. joke about that though. Like I, like full disclosure, I have no idea what I want to do when I get out. I have uh, yeah. like 14 completely <laughs> unrelated different options I, in my head. Right. I'm a lot but I, I closer. Joke, like, that's why I'm still in. Yeah. I have a, that's I'm a lot I'm, closer to that reality than you are, especially with my medical yeah. stuff. And I feel like I don't even really have the best grasp on it. I know in a dream scenario, I'm listening to Tim Ferriss's uh, four hour work week right now for those that don't, mm. know, it's a pretty cool book, but I started reading it before and I kind of like put it down because I, I had the actual book, but I, I started listening to the audiobook again. And it's like, it, I'm, I'm trying to do what he talks about. Like what, if you were in a perfect world, what could, what would you do? Like with no regard to income. And so I'm trying to like sketch that idea out in my head and it, ha it has something like it revolves around the podcast and like leadership development and education, like a, a platform expanded to like YouTube and a bunch of other mediums. Yeah, and maybe yeah. I go and do talks and training for people, or maybe I consult or, or like I'm talking about, like I'm, I'm going to try out uh, like a, a, naval heritage and pride like brand like try to do like that's, apparel and stuff it's just uh it's just straight out of office space though it's like yeah that's i'm sure he wrote it better but like it's the same idea of like what would you do if you had a million bucks and he's yep. like nothing yeah I, and nothing. and, and a single if thing. i can get away with that <laughs> like i have like I have no delusion that my pension is going to pay the bills, but my wife works full time, has a great job, makes great money, has great benefits. I'll have health insurance and a pension for the rest of my life. So we're not going to starve, but it's like, I, I would like to continually improve like financially in our position in life, right. be able to take great care of kids, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, what am I going to do? Like, I mean, I have a plan and then I, the backup plan is I'm going to get a job obviously. And I'm probably going to do that anyway to bridge the gap between this like pie in the sky idea I have becoming successful enough and me retiring. Cause I don't think those are going to line up perfectly, but 
that's my goal. I mean, that's the loose plan that I have is to kind of, I'm trying to figure it out if it's even viable. Like, can I make this work in a way that right. maybe I create a bunch of small tertiary streams of income that in addition to my pension adds up to me making active duty money or better. And then nailed it. Like there I, there I go, <laughs> you know, and then I can be the stay at home yeah. parent and she can continue to work. Um, but that's, that's my goal. Will I be able to accomplish that? I don't know. I'll probably end up getting a job and like, do I doing something? I don't know. Like, or I might stay yeah, in the and Navy and go to the service community if I'm medically disqualified. I have no clue. It's the same thing. So like for preparing to get out, it's almost the same exact advice, but it's like my, the two biggest things that I had, uh, without, uh, totally repeating everything that yeah. we just said, basically it's like a is network. Yeah. Um, Cause this world a hundred percent revolves around, well, 93% revolves around who, you know, not what, you know, mm-hmm. the, who, you know, will get you in the door at least. Yeah. So like you need to know those people and that's, it's, I don't know. I've, I've seen way so many jobs in so many different places because yep. like, you, you know, that somebody, guy, yeah. yep. he, he makes sure to bump your resume to the front, whatever the case <laughs> is. Right. Just, yeah. You still have to know something, but, uh, it, it's just network. And, and with that, you're going to find like, Hey, I like this guy. He seems pretty happy. And this is what he does for a living. Yeah. I never, there's so many jobs that I didn't even know existed. Right. That are based around supporting the military that yeah. I just never, yeah. never cared about before, never thought about. Um, and, and I don't know, in my head, it was like, when I get out of the military, I don't want to. I don't want to stay working for the military, yeah. but not in the military. You know what I mean? Like either stay in or get out, out. Yeah. was used to that's, be my, that's kind of how my I feel about it, but I also, but there's so yeah. many jobs that are available that way. Yeah. And I but, understand that it's probably the, the way in which I can do the best. Cause it's like, that's where yeah, my experience yeah. is. I have a yeah, top secret security. Some odd years I doing. have like, yeah. I mean, it's like, there's going to be people that, though, offering me jobs. Well, so that's like the perfect segue to the second part of it for me is uh, when you're applying and looking for jobs, like outkick your coverage for those things, like shoot higher than you think, yeah. because in your head, you're like, ah, I'm just this guy that's been doing yeah. maintenance for a couple of years, or I just, you'd be surprised. whatever, like, sure, I did. I fixed this thing on an airplane for a couple of years or something, but like, that's a skill that not many people have. Yeah. And you have several years of doing that in like an intense situation with like strict oversight, you know, all these things that like to you, it's just the Navy being the Navy, but like to an outside world that doesn't have those, those same rules and abilities and guidelines and restrictions or whatever the case, like those are important skills that like you have things, you are able to do things that don't seem important to you that are important to other people. And so don't look at it and be like, I'll just go be the, you know, the oil change guy. Like, no, apply for that crazy high position. And like, outsell yourself as much as you can because maybe it works out and you do great and yeah and then you're better off than where you thought you would have been worst case scenario they're going to go well you're not suited for that job but we do have this other job here that you know sounds like you'd be a better fit for and then you're better off than where you were i i don't know i've i just i feel like people undersell what they do and what they know a lot i think they need to i had a you're better off than i had an a-ganger off of my last boat get out and he applied for a job and they said he was overqualified and made him a supervisor and it was just he was just like okay like i'll take more money and a better job 
And so, yeah, I, I more think, often than not that like if he would have tried for that position yeah. and shot higher, then he probably would have gotten maybe the right. same job, but paid more because he right. was fighting like, no, nah, I should be your boss's yeah. boss. Like I need to be your boss. And that's what I <laughs> you don't hire me. That's I hire what I you. That, my advice is I have no idea. And what I mean by that is like neither of us have ever gotten out of the Navy. And that's what that's no, the, but you've had jobs outside of the Navy. I have, but I, like. What I would say is like the everybody I've talked to that's retired, like buddies of mine that are transitioning out, I've asked them like because I feel like I'm I'm coming up on that. I'm like, hey, like what any advice? Like what do you what did you learn? Blah blah. And he gave me this laundry list of stuff that he didn't know uh, like was coming or he didn't know he should have been preparing for and mm-hmm. like lessons learned. And it's like that's the kind of stuff you need to be doing is like asking like asking those types of questions leveraging all the resources like going to gp transition gps and all that yeah, all yeah. the things that are available to prepare you to get out of the military because it's a very unique transition it's like there are tons of resources at fleet and family support center there's like veteran friends of yours that did an enlistment and got out. And there's like all kinds of retirees out there that like that can explain all those things. And then there's the Google machine. Like it's it's also use. It's also funny because like so completely contradictory to that last piece of advice that I said uh, is sometimes you just need to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Like if your job is to go, if your dream is to go work at Google or Facebook or whatever, something like that, or you really want to go work for, Microsoft, you want to go work for Tesla, something like that. And that's what you want to do. Most companies, again, so I I don't know, I am not like some civilian (laughs) hiring expert, whatever, but from at least my experience and what I've seen, a lot of places prefer to hire from within yeah, because you know the system, right? right? Like, you know what you're doing, whatever. So by that same token, like if you're in there and you just kind of if you've done time in the Navy, you understand like paying your dues, you understand the way hierarchies and structures work. And like, so you can go in there, play the game probably better than somebody who's not used to that and advance through that faster or find it, you know, you went in thinking like, Oh, I want to be, I want this job. And then you get into the company and you're like, Oh, that one's actually way better. Now I want that job that I wouldn't have even have known about if I wasn't already here or whatever. It's, it's hard, but like, it's just, again, it's one of those know what you want and, and like, think of like, what do you actually want out of it? Like, do you just want to make six figures or do you really want to work with QA or do you really want to work, you know, just anywhere that with airplanes some way, somehow, right. If, if you're used to paying your dues, like you're going to get in, pay your dues and you'll work up if you're not terrible. My brother was a aviation bosun's mate on an aircraft carrier and he got out after four years and he found himself like so bored and just like maddened by like civilian employment that he ended up with three jobs and he was going to business school full time. Cause he, <laughs> and that's like, because he was so used to working insane hours. Cause he was deployed a right. ton. Like he, his first deployment, they were bombing Afghanistan. His second one, they were bombing Iraq. And it was just like, he was on the flight deck in the Persian Gulf, 18 hours a day, just like launching planes and doing all Always the things someone that they do. to bomb. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and when he got out, it was like, he didn't know what to do with his hands. You know what I mean? Like he right. got a part-time job and was going to school and he was bored out of his mind. So then he got another part-time job and he was still not, it still wasn't enough. So he got another part. It was just like, good God, man. And he was just like frustrated by the pace and like the, 
lack of proactivity and you know what I mean? Like all the things that were kind right. of like it we're indoctrinated into it, but we don't even really realize it's happening until we're back among normal people. If there is such right. a thing. So then what, what you'll see is happen is a lot of times if you can become well adjusted enough to not be the angry veteran, which is another topic for another time. It's oh, yeah, you're going to outwork everybody you know, and it's not even going to be difficult. And that's right. a huge selling point for a lot of people on hiring veterans. It's like, like we're just like, I'm just going to run through brick walls until you're out of brick walls. Like I just, just what I'm I, What do you need me to do? When do you need, how long is it? Okay, let's do it. Like, and I'm just going to, what do you got next? What do you got next? What do you got next? And it's, and again, I could be totally wrong on all of that stuff. And I know there <laughs> yeah. are tons of resources out there. So, yeah, um, leverage them about that. There's so many, like there's, you know, books on books and podcasts. Yeah. And to go ashore. All kinds of stuff. That's one of them. She goes out of her yeah. way to talk about people about transition and what, what I just, from what I've seen at least is like, learned. it's people that, you know, this is who I want to work for. Okay. Yeah. Well then do what you got to do to get in that company and then go from there. Or it's, this is the job that I want. And it's like, all right, well don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Like go get that job somewhere. You're better than you think you are. Yeah. Generally speaking. All right. Uh, I found it. I found, I had the images screenshotted on my phone and I found it. Yeah, yeah. So do you the, think the last two political correctness? On. That's the one I'm on now. So do you think political oh, correctness no, and or people coasting once they've quote unquote made it and gotten their anchors has led to a decrease in khaki leadership over the years? If so, what's the best course to remedy it? Hmm. Yeah, I was like, so I was not prepared for this one. You did yeah. not send me this oh, screenshot. I thought I did. This must have come in later. <laughs> so it was, I think political correctness and the concept of coasting once they made it are two very different things. Um, Agreed. I would say political correctness. Um, I don't, I haven't encountered a lot of it. Um, submarine community is a little different. It's definitely changed a ton since I joined it. And it's a lot more, I, you, you could describe it as politically correct, I guess we've there's things that have changed culturally for the better because there was a lot of shenanigans and hijinks and things you would call mm -hmm. hazing now going on back then. But um, I don't know that political correctness has ha played a hand in decreased khaki leadership um, per se. I would, I would say like there are things that have happened um that have like, I don't know, like added to existing problems a little bit. And it's hard to explain exactly what I mean by that, but I go ahead. I just, oh, I'll say, I just hear a lot of like, it, so it's hard to say just reading that. Right. It's yeah. like how, when they say like political correctness, I, I should have asked the about question, it. Like, what do you mean by that? But yeah, well, I, people say it facetiously, right? Like yeah. you can't say anything anymore. Right. You know, it's the PC culture. And it's like, well, there's, there's some, there's a difference between being politically correct, like being touchy for the sake of being touchy about something and just like not being a jerk. Yeah. And I think that yeah. generally speaking, people picture like the old school, like I'm going to, you know, throw you up against the wall and scream at you or whatever. Yeah, like I'm bulkhead, say, what, all this counseling and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's not this wild nonsense. And it's like, number one, like none of that's needed. Yeah. I don't, a hundred percent it's not needed because if it was needed, then no ship would be getting underway anymore because nobody, not that nobody does that, but like that general style of leadership is gone. Yeah. Or like broadly speaking, again, yeah. there's still going to be cases like that. Right. But that mentality from like, 
I don't know, think of like the 50s yeah. or something and the way they would have done it. It's not at all would, how that happens now. I'm starting to think about it like in reference to like the craziness that's going on in the world today with like the like hyper overcorrection to a lot of things where people are trying to like cancel people for saying completely an innocuous thing oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. everything's like racist or sexist or misogynist or whatever. And I think that you could say that that type of crazy overcorrection culture that exists where people are getting canceled and all this other dumb stuff that it's, it could affect people's willingness to speak up because they're afraid to have difficult conversations. Now, what I would say by that about that specifically is that it's, there's always a fear of that discomfort of like having an uncomfortable conversation with somebody um, I, I had a buddy of mine re- and I didn't get a chance to ask for details, but he basically was, he was asking me for heritage stuff, um, related to culinary specialists because they were, they were having like a giant race conflict at his work and they were trying to figure out a way to, uh, conduct some training on some of the like heritage stuff behind because the history of the culinary specialist rating is steeped in racism, <laughs> like it's segregation right. and racist like policy in recruiting and everything else. Um, and right. so I shared a book with him and some other information, and it was so that he could be the expert for a bunch of people that were going to provide like cultural training. Um, and it was that kind of stuff where it's like having that difficult conversation or, or doing the training or whatever, whatever you have to do, like there's going to be times where there's going to be conflict in your shop and it's going to be race related or it's going to be sex related. Um, Amber on the last episode we did relayed a story about a, a young man from a certain country that didn't like, he had a hard time being told what to do by a woman. And once she figured that out, she figured out how to navigate that. They had a conversation about it and they figured out a way to work together and be on good terms because she understood that she needed to be sensitive to his cultural context. And so it's like, I, yeah. the willingness to have that type of a conversation is what's going to ha- like help you navigate those leadership situations. And I think that in the current climate, a lot of people might be scared to even broach the topics, so they might be avoiding them. So, well, so I am, I'm like, uh, also full disclosure, I'm like a super, like, super left wing <laughs> hippie liberal, yeah. like, whatever, right? You make fun of me about any of it. I, I, really I am care. with a lot of things too, but we don't need to get into but all that. I, it's rough being in the military because I realized that I'm the, I'm definitely the minority, especially in like the chief's quarters. Right. It's, it's rough sometimes. And I've just learned not to like, not speak up for things. Like I'll definitely step in when something crosses the line, but I've just learned to, uh, there's certain fights that I'm, I'm not going to change anybody's mind. It's, it's just a waste of breath. (laughs) The one thing that I do see a lot that bothers me, and it's probably the only thing that I'll say on just because I don't have all night is um, in random, like Facebook groups or something like it's very recently, I, like earlier tonight, I saw one, somebody posted a book that was talking about like black submariners, mm-hmm. like the history of black submariners. Right. And somebody, there's like three comments on it and he was t- like posting, Hey, check out this book, whatever. And there was three comments on it and they were like, I'm sure they were all old dudes, but they were like, you know, I didn't have any, uh, any like white people or black people in my Navy. All we had were sailors. Yeah. And here's why that bothers me. I get in their mind. They're thinking like 
I treat everybody the same. Right. right. And what bugs me about it is that if it is not only is it like, okay, like you should acknowledge that they, they are a black person or they are of whatever, like, because they are like, they are a black person. Like don't, don't holding it against them is one thing, Right. right? That's obviously wrong, but you can't just not acknowledge that they are a black person. They are, well, you're, and they have different experiences. By not acknowledging they're a black person, it's like you're not acknowledging that their experience is different. It's like that. You shouldn't have to erase what right. somebody is yeah. to acknowledge them as a person. Right. So that's one of the biggest things that, that gets me is that people in their mind, they're like, I don't see color. And it's like, well, yeah. you should, because yeah. they are, there is <laughs> color in the real world. And it's not, yeah. I get their point, but their point is coming from, a context of prob- most likely never having experienced racism. The, whoever's saying that's probably white and they've never had to live life from that perspective. So it's, it's, Oh, I don't see it. And I treat everybody the same. It's, it's like, just a completely ignorant statement yeah. to say like, you don't, yeah. you don't even acknowledge it. Well then you should, because right. they are like, I'm not saying like it, it's okay to say like, I, I don't know. I, that's like a, a terribly long tangent that I'll yeah. go off on that I don't need to. And but I, it's just one of those like that's what bothers me. It's like, yes, they are all sailors. Yes, you treat them all the same. Yeah. But if you have to erase something from somebody to to acknowledge them, then like right. you're wrong. You're right. doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, you can acknowledge who they are <laughs> as a sailor. Yeah. And, and then still the, treat them like a sailor. The second half of the question being like once they've made it and coasting. Like, sure, it happens um, where like somebody will, oh, yeah. somebody will get promoted and like put roller skates on or um, it happens in reverse to where like when somebody makes it, they think they have to like overcompensate to to like live up to being a chief. But it, it happens that and happens. I, that happens yeah. in a smaller setting everywhere you go right. at every rank, though. Look at that. It does. Look at the, the, the second class, the yeah. first class, yeah. third class, yep. who is four months from transferring to any other command. Yeah. How hard are they really pushing on those <laughs> collateral duties? Right. Generally, again, somebody's going to be like, well, I worked up until the last day. And yep. I get it. That, that happens. Right? <laughs> but generally speaking, look at all of those in that same small microcosm. You're going to have the people that coast because they've only got two months left. I don't really need to go qualify that thing anymore. Right. I don't need to stay in this proficiency. I'm not too worried about doing this thing. Like, Every rank that's going to happen. The second somebody like no joke decides they're going to get out of the Navy and they've processed that paperwork at whatever rank, how hard do you, I mean, depending on how far out they are, you know, if you're still like a year plus out, I would still hope that they're doing work. Yeah. But if they're two months from getting out, like how hard do you really think that they're working? They're probably coasting and doing what they got to do to just get to that date. And that's at every rank. And it's no different for chiefs. So it depends on what your goal is and what your timeline is. If your goal is to just get, just to transfer to shore duty. And once you're in that mindset, you're in that mindset. Yeah. And it's the same thing with chiefs. If, or if somebody makes chief, if their goal is like, I'm only like, I'm halfway into my career. I'm still going. They're going to keep going. If their mindset is like, I'm at 19 and a half and I just made it. Like, <laughs> All right. I'm, I just got to push out eight more months and I can drop my retirement paperwork. And then, like, of course they're going to, I'm not saying it's okay, but yeah, that they're yeah. going to coast it's gonna, the same as that second class is going to coast yeah. on its way off of a ship to go to shore duty. And so, sometimes that like, they don't necessarily even realize that they're doing it. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's okay. I, and I'm not trying to say like, 
you know, look at everybody else doing it too. It's right. not just me. It's like, I just mean that it's, I, I don't, I will say that it probably has a bigger impact if you have, if your chief is just coasting and phoning it in, Yeah, that's going to have a bigger impact <laughs> sure. than that second class who's phoning it in for three months on a boat. It's yeah. you're affecting way more people who might want to stay in way longer. So it it is a bigger impact, but it's, it's, I'm not trying to say it's okay or it's yeah, justified. No, or I understand like what you're that. saying. It's I don't just, think it's happening at a level that like, so if you're, if we're talking about a guy that's at eight years and he makes chief and he intends to retire at 20, I don't think that that's happening on as large of a scale as what you're describing, where somebody's either transition, no. transitioning out at whatever point. So it's like when, if, and when it does, uh, like, I think it probably more common is what I described before where they kind of like overcompensate and freak out a little bit and you got to kind of calm them down and explain to them that's not the right way to do it either but um but yeah i think it's like the the, it's not happening on the scale that you think it is and even if it if it does happen and you get somebody that's doing that it's generally corrected it just takes some time like the peer-to-peer accountability happens in the chief's mess um but it, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I don't think it happens on a large enough scale that I think it's a gigantic problem. But when it does happen, it, of course, is a problem that needs to get addressed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Sure. It's it's just not, I, I don't know. It's not a, uh, again, I'm not trying to justify it. It's going to happen. It's going to not happen. Yeah. There's sometimes there's, sometimes it's a fight worth fighting. Right. Uh, it's super disappointing when I see more senior people just, you know, taking their foot off the gas because they're getting out because it doesn't just affect you. Right. And I I like think when your chief is phoning it in that, that affects, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, we have ranking boards next week. Did you, are you going to be here for that? And it's like, meh. And it's like, okay, well now you just screwed over your division because you're not there to fight for them the same. Like you should have been. I think when, whatever, when answering this question, this is like in my mind, this is completely separate from what I, view as like cultural problems and it like the stuff that I've talked about before at length, like, like I'm not saying the mess doesn't have problems. Like I think I'm one of the handful of guys that are saying the complete opposite, but it's like, right. You know what I mean? Like, I think that this question in my mind, I'm relating it to something that's separate from that concept of what I'm talking about, just so that that's clear to the guy that asked the question. Um, last one is chief season one, right? Yeah. And okay. so all I was going to say on that is like, cause you have, you've got an episode or a few episodes about that stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to um, go into the in-depth stuff about how to prepare. No, and I'll talk a little bit about it. As far as like how I, so same thing with like, all I said was for the prospective chiefs, I had to like, we're, we're respected prospective chief selects. I get it. Uh, it, I, I just said like, be flexible yeah. this. I mean, not talking about any sp- uh, season in general, right? There's tons of it. That's like the entire six weeks is you're going to get a bunch of advice from people. So I'm not doing that, but this season specifically, if you happen to make it just be super flexible. And I'm sure everybody has been saying that about everything since, uh, Corona stuff kicked in, but it's a, obviously an abnormal, abnormal time of the year. It's uh, an abnormal situation. Like everything about this is weird. Um, a season is still going to happen, right? but it's, it's not standard. Not that any season is standard. You know what yeah. I mean? But, uh, it, you understand what I mean, but right. somebody who hasn't gone through it doesn't. But what I mean is like this season specifically will probably have a little more hiccups than normal. 
just because people have to sort things out. Like living in the Northeast, it's really hard to do any act outdoor activity in January. Right. Um, so there's probably not going to be as much of that. So there'll be other things. So it's, it might change. I don't know. Maybe it turns out to be 71 day and we decide we're going to do something outside. Like just, you just got to be super flexible this year and understand that like on top of the point of the season, this season especially is may have some, uh, stress or confusion added unintentionally. Right. Just because of how different it's going to have to be. Yeah. And then as far as how I think it's going to play out, my only piece on that is the link that I sent you. Um, yeah. If anybody goes to look up, there's i uh, I'll put the link in the description for the, it. for the video. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, a, I, I've, I've only, I've seen a couple of these posted and I know nothing about it, which it's, is terrible. It's a podcast it's called, slash video okay. thing done called the leadership within it's a, yeah. a Navy, like a career counselor. It looks Navy sponsored. I, th- I don't know if it is. I got to look into that part still. Cause I've seen it a few times, but I hadn't looked that hard at it until you sent me the video. And then I got They're curious. all in uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I've they had the mixon on. So it's gotta be, right. it's gotta be okayed by like a thousand PAOs and lawyers, but it's got, <laughs> yeah, it's a DC one and I don't know where she works. And then it's a NCCM. So it's a Navy counselor, full-time recruiter. And they're right. talking to other people about leadership stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's got to be Navy sponsored, which in a way is kind of cool that they're actually trying to do something like that. That's less jealous. No, not at all, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, I'm kidding. I'm I don't kidding. care. Mine's totally weird and different and conversational and, <laughs> and it's no, yeah, not even a little, but anyways, but, there's an episode. So I yeah. guess the link will be in the show. Uh, notes, yeah. I'll put it in, in the that, show notes and I'll, it's at about 30 minutes in where the McPond starts talking. About yeah. All the, and he explains and the and whole, the whole like schedule of what yeah. he expects and all the kinks that may come in with that of yeah. this, the timeline, but we, and he does really good at it. And you can tell, like I say, when I say be flexible, if you, yeah, just listen to him talking like, yeah, that's the Mick pond. And he's like and, stressed out about, and even yeah. he's kind of like, oh, I know try I'm this working on and- it. I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is what it is. Like he's been distracted by so many other things going on in the world. Right. Like the, coronavirus being probably the most major one next to holy crap, the Bonham Richard just burned down. You know, it's like there was a ton, there's a ton that's been going on. It's been happening. That's distracted him and CNO. So can only imagine it's, you know, yeah, it's going to be a mess, but it's, I mean, it won't be a mess. It's just, again, it's going to be very different, which every season is different, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's, I don't know. That's kind of a, that would be a memorable thing, right? Right. Right. For sure. And anybody remember who's been in during this time frame and, seven, eight years from now when it's like, Oh, when did you make chief? And you're like, Oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Rona, Rona chief. chief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ah, you went through the weird year or whatever the case, you know, there's always going to be something like we still have a guy. Uh, we have a master chief who he was, uh, he made chief, uh, the year in 2001 through September 11th. Yeah. Jeez. So it's like, everything got put on hold yeah. like crazy. There's places that just straight cancel. Like that's a very unique experience, right? You had to be making chief in 2001 yeah. to have that very unique experience. And so it's, yeah, it's, I've like, run it's a, just one of those things. Like I've run a few on my, deployment and we did pinning on the Mestex. Like it's, it's always different in some way. Shape, yeah. Yeah. Form. So it's like, but as far as like worldwide yeah, event different, sure. you know, there's only been a couple of those and, this is going to be one of them. And yeah. so I don't know, it's kind of, kind of kind a of cool. cool thing. Yeah. Um, It'll be unique and, and just take it. Yeah. Just take it for what it is. And, but as far as like the details on how, like 
we're still, Man, yeah. as far as the and, super nuts and bolts, yep. we're still the nu- trying to the hash that out The nuts and bolts, locally. like the MCPON hasn't even put out the policy document yet, which he intends to, which he talks about in the video. So that's to come. So pay attention for that. And that'll give you more details. There will probably, I would imagine a message is going to come out too, because that's how that oh, yeah. works. But it'll trickle down from the leadership mess to all the CMCs and stuff. So I'll probably see it in my email at some point. But um, We're still laughing. Like, uh, is there going to be a PRT for it? There eventually. They're probably, I mean, maybe. do you have to do a PRT that, through he, the season? He did, like, <laughs> he did say that that's the plan is to uh, before holiday stand down is to knock out all the requirement requirements like the uh, PRT. And do, the, the, if they already canceled the Navy PRT, then why would we do one? Because it's a requirement to get frocked. Like it's, it's not a requirement. It is a requirement. It's optional. No. The PRT is a requirement. hundred percent. You can do your normal PRT. We can argue about this. Like later. you don't have to do a separate but I, but special right. one. Yeah, you do. It's a frocking requirement for chief specifically. Mm, we'll we'll, sure we'll we argue about it later. So the, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the rest of it though for the question, like I I basically said to him on Instagram, like uh, I have a whole series on initiation. And yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. He said he listened to him, so that's cool. But for everyone else, I will post a list. I basically have one for. Uh, like pre-selection results coming out. I have a bunch of, that I put out during a season a few years ago. And then I have a couple that I put out after the fact. And then there's a couple of random ones scattered throughout where I address specifically like first year chief stuff. I will put all that in a list in the show notes. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a bunch of spin the yarns, um, that entire list. And then a link to the video where the t- and a time, like I'll put the timestamp of when he starts talking about it. So if you don't want to watch the entire podcast, um, you can just, it's about 30 minutes in, but I'll put the exact time when he starts, uh, yeah. talking about all those things. And that's as specific as we can get right now on how this, how the season's going to be unique to this year, because we just don't know yet. Um, and maybe, maybe this year now that, uh, it's not just you doing this stuff and you've branched out more, like maybe it'll be, I don't know that this year will be a good time, but, um, you know, start updating those things. Cause obviously seasons change. Yeah. And, mindsets and all that you may have to do a, a new series specifically on the season yeah man i like it'll be interesting because i'll be back at work finally so i'll be involved in what goes on in our I, region and uh, i had super high hopes to do stuff like that this year like yeah. my, i think i talked to you about it my own little project for it i mean but, we can um, link up and do stuff, i don't know how man. that's gonna work out we can link up and do some updates to initiation stuff that's fine i'm down i've thought about i'm, I'm just more of it but yeah I just found out today my like my role in in the season out here, and it's just kind of like oh, okay, well, <laughs> all right, well, let's figure this out. <laughs> yeah, it's just help, however. I, yeah, I, like I was trying to run. There's a heritage, um, what are they? Heritage Academy out here on a, at a museum ship, and I was trying to mm-hmm. run the heritage training for that, and I volunteered for it all, and, and then I got my diagnosis. I was like, I finally would have had time on shore yeah. duty to be super involved and. Um, I mean, I've I was run psyched. the season was, a million times, but it's, I was yeah. set. To, all I've wanted to do since I was knew I was coming back to the East coast was go to the constitution. For yeah, the season. I do too. I want to, and be I was all man. set. I like beg, borrowed and pleaded to make sure that I was the, the, the head of that yeah. committee. Like I was the chair for that. So I was planning it all. So I figured even I was going to be super selfish about it. And even if only <laughs> one chief and mentor, you know, only I'm one going. mentor and selectee <laughs> got to go, it was going to be me. Yeah. And 
and so everybody was on board with that. They all understood like, Hey, this is, this is all I want to do with this. Yeah. And then they canceled it because of this. Yep. So I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah. My goal is, Maybe next, is year. next year. Yeah. Cause I need to get back in something resembling shape. Cause right now I can barely like Ugh. walk around without getting tired. So, and which, I mean, that's the radiation too, but I'm yeah. I got to hold up that standard. It's, it's worth it. The fattest the fattest Bro, branch. I'm in not the, fat. In the I, like, so that's the funny part is I was on a liquid diet for like two weeks and my, like I'm oh. eating, but not a lot. Cause I'm not doing a lot. So dude, I lost a bunch of weight, which I didn't have a ton to lose. I was a little squishy, but I, I'm like putting on my old jeans now, man, I'm at my fighting weight. So I'm like, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm in terrible shape. Like I got to, after this is over and I can actually start doing stuff. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to push myself to do like, activity like i'm like i was telling you i was building that cabinet right. in my garage and i'm trying to like even though i gotta sit down a lot to chill and then get back up and do a little bit it's like i'm trying to make my body acclimate to like doing stuff and then uh i'm trying right. to start i'm gonna start doing like a little bit of physical like a little bit of working out stuff um like really like minimal low-key just to like get my body to start to that and then start going for like walk runs or walk jogs or whatever I can do once I can start doing that. So it's going to take me a hot minute, but yeah, you just got to get a life alert before you do it. <laughs> I'm not that old dude. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather wait for somebody to find me than have to be 36, 30 going on 37 and have a life alert already. But yeah, no, I, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to do that though, man. I really want to do that. I'll probably go out one year and just like lurk when I retire, if I don't get to do it, like I just right. want to hang out. Is that cool? Or maybe I'll get podcast famous enough in the Navy to like get invited. I don't know. Like I gotta, I gotta make that a life goal. I need to make the, I know that. So the CS chief on the constitution right now is my best friend. Uh, he's a right. really good dude. And so like, maybe I can get him to like do some backdoor deal to let me hang out. <laughs> like, I just want to lurk and be the creeper in the back with a beard that like, like forces mentorship on selectees. <laughs> uh, I just want to be there. It'd be cool. I got to, I, I tried to go yeah. one year and we sent, we short fuse sent one of our selects that I was her sponsor, but we didn't know about it until the last minute. So like they didn't have any mentor yeah. spots and I was like, I'll just go hang out. Like, I don't even care. Yeah. I just want to go. Can I just stand on the pier? Yeah. <laughs> I just want the coin. I mean, no, I, oh. I, I, I joke saying I just want the coin. I was going like, to say, let me I make just you think jealous. So the, well, the, the uh, there's a guy in our mess yeah. right now who that's where he was stationed on the okay. constitution. So he's got all the ins on. All oh yeah. I'll too, get you a coin I, if you want one, but. No, I, it's again, I, I got it. It's got to, it's got to be the, it's yeah. got to be like, I got one. F I got it from there. Yeah. I got a heritage coin from there along with, so they, it was the, I forget, 2015, 2014. It's probably 2014, I think. No. Yeah. 2014, I think where she went and uh, it was a year, the first year in forever that they uh, went underway on the ship and it was under like wind power. It wasn't like being towed. And so she was sailing on the constitution. It was cool. And so she flew a flag while it was at sea, brought it back to me with a certificate that says what it is and when it happened yeah, yeah. and a coin. And then when I went, I went to do a tour when I was at the senior listed Academy, I have a flag case for it that it's in hanging on my wall right now, made out of wood from the constitution. They, they strip a bunch of old wood off when they are in right. dry dock and put new stuff on to like, rehab the ship and then they make stuff yep. out of that live oak 
And I bought a flag holder while I was there and it's in that. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the most diggity thing ever. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's hanging on my wall. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I it's just one of those like I can I can go on eBay and I can go buy some random SEAL team coin. Right, right. right. But I don't want that. Like, I want to, I want to work to with that yeah, SEAL yeah, yeah. team and have somebody from them yeah, give it to me, sure. whatever the case that's is. That's the right? only coins and I keep, I man, is sentimental ones. Yeah. So like, yeah. And that's how it is with all of my coins. Like they yeah. they may not all be like the coolest or from the most senior or whatever. Right. And, and that's fine. But like, I know it wasn't just like, oh, I think I bought that from this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Group. It's like, no, yep. this was actually like, this was given I to me. I think my or whatever the two case favorite is. ones are, so James from the the coal, the CMC, the coal when it got attacked. Oh, he yeah, sent yeah. me a coin after we did that episode. So I have one from him Yeah, and it's like his CMC coin. It's awesome. And then, uh, dude, there's a guy in my office who has a coal belt buckle. Really? That's but interesting. It's like, I mean, it's still, I don't know. He was stationed. He was ported somewhere. I don't know. Moored somewhere and they were there. And so it was just kind of talking like, Hey, like coal that's kind of yeah. cool and they just i guess they did a buckle swap so uh, he's that's got cool. one on his desk yeah and then i have uh i got <laughs> this is kind of dumb like it was kind of dumb but it was kind of awesome like i was it made me happy because of the hair like the, the the attachment that we have to challenge coins in the military is when i got done with radiation they gave me a serialized coin that from the the radiation center that said awesome. I was like patient three zero zero one or whatever that completed radiation therapy. And so like, I have that. That's, cool. that, that's going to be the one I carry in my pocket from now on is like, they're going to be like, yeah, I got the McPons coin. I'm like, yeah, I win. <laughs> I beat cancer. sucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one from uh that was kind of cool. It's like not officially military related, yeah. but it's um. so one of the podcasts I listen to religiously is called 99 PI 99% invisible. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's like, it's about design. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's just interesting to me, but, um, and they're just done really well. And he did an episode cause it's all design focused. He did an episode about, uh, challenge coins. Okay. And so he kind of talks about the background of them and, and whatever, right. goes into the history and explaining them all. And, yeah. and mind you, it's like a person who's never been in the military. So it's a foreign thing to him. And so he's like extra interested yeah, in them. Yeah. But, um, he, because of that, he thought it was so cool. So he specifically got a 99% uh, invisible, like a 99 PI coin yeah. made for their podcast yeah. and was like, oh yeah, you can go into the, the, their website or their store right. or whatever and buy one. And so I was listening to the episode, but it was like a, a rerun or something. So it was okay. like a two year old episode by the time I heard it. And so I went to their website, didn't have any, and I sent him a message and just said, Hey, uh, I just heard this episode. I know they're it's way late. You don't have them on the website. Like, did I just not find them? Or are they gone? Or what? Yeah. You know what happened with them? Like, I said you know, hey, I'm in the Navy. I I did, I also collect them. I thought that was cool. I'd love to get one if you guys still have any around that yeah. I can buy. And uh, whoever you know, some intern or whoever yeah. it was, but they emailed me back and was like, um, we don't. We thought we were out, but somebody dug around and found an extra one in their desk. And so, you know, what's your address? We'll mail it to you. Awesome. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's cool. I'll pay like, for but, it. You yeah. Know, how, yeah. Like, how can I send you money for it? Like, I, you guys are a podcast. You're not like, you know, Microsoft. I'm sure yeah. 15 bucks actually matters, but it's like, I'll, I'll pay for it. And it's like, no, don't worry about it. Thanks. And then they just said, if you get a, uh, if you would like, you can mail us back a coin. Hell yeah. I'll make and so I was like, oh yeah. And so yeah. like, I, I grabbed an extra, you know, at the next chief's meeting, I just yeah. bought an extra coin and 
That's uh, awesome. to mail it back to them. So, and I didn't hear anything back. I don't know if they, yeah. I assume they got it. I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah, that's, and I don't need anything back, but it was just like, that's, that was a kind of a cool, like, yeah. it's not military related, but I'm a I, big those are the of, situations uh, that I like. Megan from Scuttlebutt sent me a coin that she made for Scuttlebutt. She sent me a bunch of stuff. Um, uh-huh. cause I sent her a bunch of stickers when I, it's all I had at the time. Like I, when we first, uh, started talking is like, I, all I made was stickers so far. I didn't have shirts or anything else. I have like buttons and all that other crap, but a challenge coin is that's inbound. I want to make one, but it's like, I was yeah. paying for a wedding recently that just got rescheduled. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't had a ton of disposable income, but yeah, I definitely plan to get coins. Um, cause I like, I just thought it was really cool that, like, like you said, where it's like he made one for his podcast because he did one on that like kind of thing because it's a military thing. Like, I thought it was really neat that she did it for her comic strip. Like, it's for Scuttlebutt. It's got the logo yeah. girl on it. It's, it's cool. She sent me a patch and like a hand-drawn thing. It, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. But um, that's definitely something I want to do. And if you were talking about design. Did you see that thing I just shared on Instagram earlier and Facebook? The It's called Holdfast Collective. No, oh, check it out, I dude. Haven't. Their web address is in the social media post. It's like Sailor Jerry style, like art, and you can order prints. It's really cool, and it's all like Navy or military specific. I, I got, I yeah. he messaged me on Instagram and said thanks for sharing it, and I gotta reach out and at, like ask more about him. But I think I'm guessing he's a corpsman because there's a lot of corpsman related or Marine stuff on there. And right. hold fast is Navy related. So I, I'm just putting it together. And the logo kind of looks like the Navy logo. So I'm putting it together. It'll and I'm end like, up. I think you're in the Navy and I think you're a corpsman, but I'm going to link up with him and talk to him and maybe do a podcast with him. If he's, if he or hold she fast is, is definitely like, that's a, uh, that's, it's an eventual, I'll do it on my knuckles. Oh, really? it. <laughs> it's well, so I, lo- I've always, I love I've it, but it. I don't think I would do it. I don't know. I wanted, I've wanted, so it's funny cause I've wanted it on my knuckles since before I joined oh, really? when I had no intentions of joining just because like if I was going to do my knuckles, which was like kind of an eventual for me with the amount of tattoos that I have, it was like, I knew to wait yeah, in life, yeah. but, um, it was like, okay, well I want like, what's the most traditional, like heart, like the most like uh, epitome of tattoo of knuckle tattoo yeah. that I could think of. And it was like, I don't know, just the same thing. I like that American traditional style. Yeah. So it goes into like the sailor history of tattoos, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, oh, the hold fast across your knuckles is like super like old school. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that's what I want. Let's do that. And then, um, you know, now that I joined, it's like, okay, well, and so my wife, she's fine with it. She just said, I need to make sure that I'm like, basically we're on my last enlistment. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when my EAOS is past 20 and I can retire, then I'll, then she'll let me get it. <laughs> That's funny. It's the only thing yeah. that's holding me off. Right I, I'm now, waiting until right? I, I retire. It. I want to get a bunch of tattoos, but I, I have one now and I got it when I was 19 in Guam and I don't regret it, but I just never, I just never added to it. I don't know why for a long time. I just didn't know what I, <clears throat> what I wanted specifically. And then now I have some ideas, but I've just never taken the time to like sketch them out and start actually pursuing it. But I'm, um, I'm, well, I mean, I've, I've mostly covered, but yeah. I also eventually it was like, I'm a stubborn DIYer. So eventually I was like, I've had enough. I could do these. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started tattooing yeah. and I've, I mean, I've given tons, like my wife's whole left sleeve is from me. Oh, and wow. My legs, most of my legs are all from me. Nope. I'll um, just come visit the ones that I can reach tattoo a bunch of that. <laughs> That's what's in the room next door to me. Yeah. It's like literally a, a mini shop setup. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, 
it's definitely like that's one of the things I thought about pursuing when I got out. Maybe, there you go. but I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I mean, know. just just set up shop near a major base and do Sailor Jerry style tattoos, man. You'll make a killing. Yeah, <laughs> tattoo no, dolphins I, on kids in Connecticut, man. It'll be awesome. <laughs> just go post up outside <laughs> Rosie's Cantina. Yeah, nailed it. You'll make a killing. I think there is a shop next door to that, actually. Uh, it's funny, too, that uh, so I posted that old fast thing about the prince, it's prince and some guy commented, I personally would love to see a uh, because that's when the rib slap sticker <laughs> from when you're talking about it during Goats After Dark. Yes. So, yeah. No, the funniest. Uh, my wife just actually sent me something like an hour ago. She texted me uh, a meme about that. It's like it's this whole thing. It says like my boyfriend was slow cooking me ribs and they were done in the middle of the night. So he wakes her up at 3 a.m. and goes, here, babe, I brought you some ribs. <laughs> and it said like, so we sat in the bed Marry and, ribs, and I think I found my soulmate. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife sent that to me and I laughed that's and she so said, funny. that's when the ribs slap. That's awesome. I'm pro- I'll am <laughs> i make a when- shirt. That'll be one of the first shirts I do at the apparel stores because that's when the that's ribs right. slap. <laughs> Just right. Like the, it's, uh, you got to keep it military related. So yeah. it's got to be like the mid watch. That's what the, that's when the yeah. ribs slap. The balls. To I'll four. just put, that's yeah, it'll be slap. something on the front that says the mid watch and on the back it'll say, cause that's when the rib slap. <laughs> oh, that's funny, so man. Funny, All right, man. let's wrap this up, man. I know it's gotta be super low. What is it? Midnight where you're at? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I still got two more innings left on this Dodger game. Yeah. You're going into the weekend though. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, you're on permanent weekend. All right. Well, thanks for doing this as always. Uh, I think this one will be cool. Hopefully like I think some I posted that thing on social media late at night. So I don't think it got the exposure that I wanted it to. But we got a lot of responses on Reddit and the one on Instagram. So hopefully next time it'll, we'll have to practice yeah. uh, shortening our answers too. yeah, that was coming more. That was super, the, the one on the CS stuff was super long because that's <laughs> I mean, we've done lot. We've done longer than two minutes or two hours and 46 minutes before. So. all right man and that's it Uh, i hope you guys like that we had a lot of fun talking about it i'm sure you could tell uh it was a good time the questions were amazing definitely plan on doing that again um if you guys need anything from us hit us up don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message me don't give up the ship podcast or you can interact with us on reddit like the people that submitted the questions uh or dm me there so you got the the sub dgets podcast and then you can find me my username dgets podcast and, and private messenger there uh definitely get on there and interact with us I, i'm interested to to see what people think about the discussion um yeah. And it was I like I like those kind of uh, things because it's like it, we kind of got to hop from topic to topic and go in different directions with it. And like one question would kind of spark an idea about another one. So it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it um, for anybody that wants to help us out just to get the message out there. Just like share, subscribe, review us on all the platforms like iTunes and Spotify and all those things. Um, share the content on social media, stuff like that. Uh, it, it helps us get the platform out there, make people more aware of it. Uh, if you want anything done, if you got any ideas, let me know. I got I got time to do it. Um, heading back to work here in a few weeks, but uh, I still working out all the paperwork portion of if I can go to see or not. So I'll be around. Um, and uh yeah upcoming is so i got a episode that i did with a navy chaplain that's got a really interesting backstory he's a guy i knew from my first submarine so go figure (laughs) and then uh then yeah then the uh, loretta walsh episode is inbound as well and that's it 
That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>